Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville. Lauren and Gibby, The Frangie Show, starts now on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Hey, welcome in. Glad you're along for the ride on a victory Monday here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Frank Frangie, Hayes Carline, Lauren Brooks, Dylan Denmark filling in for Gibby today. Ooh, it's a good day today. I've been in a good mood all day. I was in a good mood from this last night. You were fired up. Yeah, I'm. By the way, I, I have. Um, I don't think I've ever seen you like that post game. So I went into the locker room afterwards, and uh, and uh, we're everyone's in. But I thought I thought Rayshon Jenkins was fantastic in the locker room. By the way, just fantastic. So I said, Carla, how long is it going to take you to do what you have to do? And Hazel's looking at me like, dude, I got to work. Okay, I know you're done. <laughs> I think it's great that you're done and all, and you're all giddy. But I I I kind of have a job. I got to interview a bunch of guys, write a column. I'm like, well, well I, I get it. What time? How long is it going to take you? Go. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. So I said, all right. I was trying to find someone to drink a beer for God's sake. I mean, it's just work for crying out loud. Next time I'll completely blow it. <laughs> blow up work. Yeah. Call up I, interviews. I learned from my mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I was all happy. So uh, what a what a great win for the Jacks. I, I will tell you this. The uh, I was telling Lauren this earlier. The Pirates perennially suck. The Pirates haven't had a win of significance since 2015, seven years ago. The Gators haven't been good in a long time. They had some wins in one year. The, the, the pandemic year, they were pretty good. The basketball team is barely making the tournament. You know, that's about as exhilarating. Now, 17 was great, but that was five years ago. That's about as exhilarated as I've been personally. Forget not just calling the game, but wanting a team to win. That's about as exhilarated as I've been for a team, for a, for a sports team. Man, oh, man. I mean, I was thinking about it going home. I, I mean, Suzanne was all excited. We're, I mean, we're talking about it. I'm thinking about it when I went to bed last night. I'm thinking about it when I woke up this morning. We haven't had a lot of those, but at least the teams I root for, you know, that was pretty good. That was, that was, I got to imagine fans feel the way we feel. That was pretty good stuff. In terms of a regular season win, I, I think it's, I, I think it's, I mean, to say spectacular is an understatement. I mean, there is such a buzz today. I, uh, I mean, you. I think we probably all feel it on our phones. My guess is whatever normal traffic you have on a Monday morning, Sunday night, I would imagine you probably multiplied that by 10 because that's what it was for me. I mean, it is – I mean, it, it. there is such excitement for what this team did yesterday and and where it's headed. And, and yeah, I, I, the only thing I can equate it to is in terms of covering the Jaguars is 2017 and then a little bit of, of 2018 um, – but I, I think this is beyond it at this point. I mean, I, I think this team, even though they're six and eight, they're two games under 500, I don't know that. I think because of Trevor Lawrence, I think there's more excitement. I think this team is more loved than the 2017 and the early part of 2018. I, I don't know that I've ever seen the excitement at a higher level. I mean, I suppose it would have had to have been 
when they beat Pittsburgh and, and you're going to the AFC title game. And, but I, I just, I think, I think there's so much respect and love for Trevor Lawrence and these young players and for Doug Peterson. You know, I think, I think Doug Marone was, was liked. Okay. But I don't think the city like ever fell in love with Doug Marone. Uh, the city certainly fell in love with Clayus Campbell, but it's different for quarterbacks. And, I I think this is a euphoria unlike anything I've seen. Yeah, I think we've compared at times this season to 2017, and rightfully so. The last time this franchise put up over 40 points, 40 or more points, was 2017. They did it twice. You've only called four games like that, Frank. One of them was yesterday. That doesn't happen very often. And then to do it against a roster that we all said was more talented yeah. than this team last week, we all said that. And it was probably true for three and a half quarters of the game for them to come back to be able to lose the turnover battle and still beat a team like that, that to me was just unbelievable. Yeah, like I still have to pinch myself. It was one of the most. It was probably the most magical game that I've called. Now those two Steeler wins were were pretty amazing when they beat their ass, really rolled them in the regular season, then and then with the five interceptions and then outscored them in the other game in the playoff game. So that those two would be the ones that would compare. But this was this was really special, man. This was an this was an amazing win on on so many levels. I mean, an amazing win on so many levels for these guys. And, and Hayes, I think you're on to something. It doesn't yet compete with 17 in terms of because of how deep that team went. But to your point, if this team gets similarly deep, the love they'll have for this group will be will will trump a lot. We'll we'll trump that one. It will trump that one if they get they get that deep. So and right now, look, there's so there's so much there's so many things to talk about in this game. We'll get to other things in sports. A crazy weekend, a Patriots Raiders game that I still wouldn't have believed if I didn't see it four times. We'll talk about the Gators losing in the bowl and the Napier and the field goal. Well, there's a lot of stuff we'll get to. Recruiting's coming up this week, but today's the day to celebrate the Jags and Victory Monday. So that's what we'll talk about. And there's so much to unpack from this game, just mm-hmm. this one game uh, of how they won and the magic of how they won. But uh, and Hayes, your column was dead on. Did a great job as you always do in that column. Thanks. They believe in each other, man. They 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 trust. When you talk about learning to win, learning to win means you win and experience, and you know what you did. Then you do it again. Then you do it again, and that's what's happened. And news bulletin. I'm going to break some news here. Quarterback's pretty good. Okay, 24 touchdowns and seven picks. That's with three games left, and that's in his second season, and that's figuring in a little bit of a lost season. You know. 24. Peter King has him tenth in his MVP vote. Yeah, and, and I don't know if you noticed that today, but I, I did. He kind of went through the MVP race, and he and he gave. It's a four man race, but yeah. then he kind of gave his other other you guys know, filling yeah. out his top ten. It's Trevor Lawrence tenth in the MVP voting. We had this conversation. In his opinion, we had this conversation on the program, and I'll say it again: if you had to have a guy, I said next ten years, heck, next seven years, next five years, if you had to pick a quarterback that could be your guy for the next five to seven years. I think most people would take Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen ahead of Trevor. That's about it. Maybe Justin Herbert, maybe Joe Burrow are in the conversation. Maybe Jalen Hurts is in the conversation, but but maybe not. The only one, the only guaranteed guys that that the masses would pick ahead of Trevor Lawrence. If you're saying next five to seven years, if you're being honest, take the Jaguar, take us Jaguar homers out of it. If you're sitting in Wichita having this poll, the only people that you know would be ahead of him today. Or Mahomes and Josh Allen. I don't know that you're you're convinced there's another guy to be ahead of him. There may be, but you're not. There's certainly not one that's definitely ahead of him. I don't think he'd be worse than fifth on any GM's list. I don't either. I mean, I I could see Burrow and Herbert being ahead. They've done it a little bit longer, 
uh, than Trevor. But again, the things that he's doing are extraordinary. And I, uh, you know, and, and to have overcome all the adversity, he's he's proven that uh, his mental toughness is outstanding, his physical toughness is outstanding, his le- leadership ability is outstanding, and it's all starting to mesh with his physical tools because his savvy is starting to increase. He was playing earlier this season as a very young quarterback, and it was showing up, but his his acceleration in terms of learning. And figuring out what he can and can't do, uh, it, it's it's extraordinary. I mean, we talked a month or so ago, six weeks ago, and I kind of gave the analogy of it's like you're driving on the interstate, you're in the passenger seat, you're trying to get from Jacksonville to New York, and the guy is driving like two under the limit, and it's right. like, come on, let's go, let's go. Well, now we're going. I mean, we're going 89 on the on the freeway. I mean, we are making great time. Uh, I mean, he is, just, and it's and it's happened in in a very short amount of time. It's incredibly impressive what Trevor Lawrence has been able to do, and he's just getting started. He hasn't even had an off season yet with Doug Peterson. That's right. That and that's a, a gigantic piece of the conversation. And he still has a sprained toe. He's in a boot after the game, and he's going up against one of the better pass rushes in all of the league. Those and he still really did all that. Those are big parts of the conversation too, aren't they? They really are. So so so, you correct. Correct, correct, and correct. That's exactly right. So, all right, a lot of things to talk about today. I'm going to go through the heroes. I want to go. This is such a big game that I when it's we come back. It's going to take us all show. Yeah, it really, it really. I think you're in there, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I definitely John Deneen. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's the star. <laughs> I, I keep getting, I keep getting, um, the, the, I keep getting these tweets, and one guy says, you know, Frank, it was a great call. And by the way, let me say this: I, I had so many tweets. Thank you for the kind comments about the call. It, it, it warms my heart. But we're just – I'm one of the people like Hayes and Lauren that get to tell the story, which is really cool. But I keep getting these tweets that say, you guys are great, Frank and Tony and Jeff, but the spotter's undefeated. Okay? John the spotter is undefeated. There's no question. He, he remains undefeated as, uh, as, the, as the guy in the picture. So, uh, but, but really, uh, but thank you. The comments have been very kind. We appreciate them uh, a great deal. But we come back. I'm going to get to the heroes here because, like you said, Lauren, we may talk about it all day there. If you really break down – the guy who, without them doing this, mm-hmm. they don't win the game. That's a long list. If, if, you, it's, if, think, if you start breaking down, without this guy doing this, they don't win the game, that's a long list. We're going to talk about that. What does it mean? Well, we're going to look ahead a little bit. It's all Jaguars. It's a victory Monday. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. It's a Best Bet Monday on The Frangie Show with fantastic locations in Jacksonville, Orange Park, and now in St. Augustine. It's Best Bet. He drops the throw. Looking, looking, fires middle of the field, and that ball is picked off. It is picked off by Rayshon Jenkins. He's running it back along the right sideline. That is going to be a touchdown. That is going to be a touchdown. The Jags are going to win it on a race, Sean Jenkins pick six. Are you kidding me? How good is that? The, uh, I told this to, to, to Matt and me and Joe during the handoff. It was awkward. And I, Lauren asked you this, too, because Lauren was still in the press. Were you still in the press box? You were mm-hmm. still in the press box. I was. Could you tell that he caught it? Not really. It's hard to tell, wasn't it? Yeah. And Lauren, you said you couldn't either. I couldn't either. Uh, John Shipley, who sits next to me, yeah. Uh, Said an expletive yeah, out yeah. loud, and that's when I realized yeah. that he had caught it. I thought I thought he might have caught it, mm-hmm. but he might have trapped it. And he did the right smart thing, start running whether you caught it or trap it. And 
And then the Cowboys sideline, which we can see. We can't see ourselves. We're on the near side. So I'm watching the Cowboys sideline, and I'm watching and I'm watching the plate, and I'm thinking, okay, he picked it off. He's running. We paused for a second because I wasn't sure. You know what I mean? You weren't sure yeah. of the details. Well, no one on the Cowboys sidelines like throwing their visor or anything. So it right, wasn't, right. you know, and, and it seemed like they were sort yeah. of waiting to see would it be re- reviewed. Yeah, yeah. Because so, they had just reviewed those other two plays yeah. that seemed fairly obvious. Yeah. Christian Kirk's yeah. catch and Evan Ingram getting out of bounds. Yeah, so you weren't completely sure, but you thought, I thought, okay, I think he, I think he picked it off. So I'm watching the play, unf- I'm watching the play develop and I'm watching it unfold here and I'm thinking, I think he's picked this thing off. And then I paused for a second, then I said, screw it. Now you go, the last thing you want to do as a play-by-play guy is call something that didn't happen. You're, re- you're better off to wait to make sure you know. On touchdowns, you always wait till the arms are in the air. Even, even if you're pretty sure he caught it, make sure you see those arms, the minute those arms go up or start to go up. So you pause for, we paused for a second, and then I thought, all right, screw it. <laughs> we're, we're, I'm going with the time. And then nobody, nobody stopped, but I'm looking for a flag. I'm looking for a whistle that stopped play. Somebody said the ball hit the ground. There was nothing. So you couldn't tell right. So that was my thought at the time. And then, of course, we all lost our mind after that. After it happened, we looked, oh, my God, this is this is unbelievable now at this point. So Hayes, I told Frank that Tony Baselli showed a lot more excitement yesterday than maybe in previous wins. He's coachable. He's, yeah, he is. <laughs> and, 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 I'll, and I'll give him hell. He knows the camera's on. I'll tell him that. He knows the camera's on. Um, but it was it was it was an amazing moment, and yeah, I'm glad we people were able to see it on the, on the camera and whatnot. It was it was it was kind of a cool thing for everybody kind of to get a chance to see. So it worked. It was it was a, it was a cool deal. It really was. Um, heroes, there are many, many. Number one, obviously, Rayshon, probably the best defensive game in the Jaguars' 27 year history. Agreed. Yes, we were racking our brains in the press box trying to. I, I think the fact that he had 18 tackles sort of escaped. At least us, because it wasn't until we were like post game where it was like, oh my gosh, he had 18 tackles today. You knew obviously the interceptions, uh, and then to find out that it was a, a historical game for the league. Yeah, we were talking about it. Ray Sean or uh, Rasheen Mathis had that huge game um, against the Steelers. Uh, Calais had the four sacks in the opener against Houston, but for my money, I think it's got to be number one. If he was Derwin James. It would be all you would have seen in right. the NFL today. It's just that Rayshon Jenkins doesn't have that right. sort of star wattage, so it sort of got you know swept a little bit to the side nationally, more for for Trevor. Um, it, it was, I mean, it was a game that, I mean, Ed Reed would have loved to have had. Yeah, that's right. So, so, to, um, so, eighteen tackles, two picks, a pick six to win the game, and don't forget of those eighteen tackles, nine of which were solos. The biggest one of the game was the play right before the pick six. If for people that don't remember, they scored. They 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 made seven yards on first down. They they were running it like crazy. So now you've got a second and three, right? So it's a running down because they've been running and running. They're going to run it up and kick the field goal. They're all, they were almost in field goal range as it was. He tackled. I think it was Pollard. Well, it was. It, it wasn't a, behind the line. So now what you thought was going to be either a first down or third and a yard is now third and four. Well, now that's a passing down. So Rayshon Jenkins busting up from the safety spot to hit Pollard behind the line and make a third and make a second and three, third and four, now puts them in a passing situation, and he picked off the pass. So, so he made back-to-back plays. People haven't talked about that, so he's the, he's the hero. Trevor, obviously. Trevor now, even after the interception and the fumble, never buckled, came back and led him on three straight scoring drives, and I mean big-time scoring drives. 
Trevor, uh, twenty-four touchdowns, seven picks. Hayes said it earlier. One of the one of the one of the emerging stars of the league, no question. Zay Jones, obviously the three touchdowns. He had a great game. He got deep on the one. Uh, he found his way. He found creases on the other two in the end zone. That double move for the touchdown was, was ridiculous. It really was. And Trevor had that to was throw, on our sideline, so we could and, see it. And Trevor out. had to get out of some trouble and throw that one off balance. Mm-hmm. It was a phenomenal throw. Christian Kirk, the one catch along the left sideline, big boy catch. He had to, he had to extend. Remember one, you know the one I'm talking oh, about? Yeah. Big time play. Evan Ingram, that's one of the plays of the year. No one's talking about that. If he doesn't get out of bounds, they lose the game. No, if he doesn't get out of bounds, they lose the game because they wouldn't have had enough time to, to kick the field goal. So they were going to bring out Logan Cook. It looked like yeah, yeah, to he, attempt it. Yeah, and maybe that's what I didn't even which, know. Which yeah. may, tells you yeah. the desperation yeah. of it because of the distance. I didn't even notice that. Is that what they were? Yeah. Was he warming up? That didn't, um, didn't even notice. And that, then they so. got the timeout back. Yeah, and, and even Trevor was like, "There's really not. Everybody runs the same stuff. Yeah, there's not a lot of." You know, you've got eight seconds. It, right. The pass has to be completed to the sideline so right. the player can get out of bounds. You, you don't really have anything that, that is going to work against defenses. There's only so many things you can do. It was a gigantic play by Evan. Yeah, yeah, because they lose the game. Uh, Riley Patterson, okay? You got to make the kick. Well, we So many people make kicks these days. They We feel like they're automatic. Did you watch the Browns game on Saturday? They were missing kicks left and right. Tucker missed two. Yeah, yeah, Tucker missed two, and 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 I think the Browns didn't. Um, York missed two, didn't he? He missed at least one. There was at least three missed field goals in the game. And Riley Patterson, to that point in the season, had not had to attempt a an under pressure field goal. Not a big. That's one. what I was worried about. Like yeah. he has not been in this moment yeah. all season long. Yeah. So how was he going to do in that moment? Yeah. So he did, and I think he told me after the game that he had been. He, he had one college game where he's frozen. They, they froze him three times, which you can do in college. You can keep calling him. So, but but he he knocked that thing right through there. That that's a hero. Okay, so you you can't. Doug Peterson, does anybody manage the game better, knowing when to call the timeouts, when not to call the timeouts? Right. I mean, he. I mean, even the first half, knowing when to. I think it was at the end of the half, he called a timeout on third and one for the Cowboys, and we were all sitting in the booth saying that doesn't make any sense. You you don't want to help them if it's third and nine. You want to get the ball back. Sure enough, they stopped him and got the ball back. So. So he has a great feel for that. So, I mean, the heroes are many. His play calling. Yeah, yeah. Yesterday, I thought was one of the better ones we've seen. How about Walker Little? Walker Little had to come into the game after essentially never playing a meaningful moment as a pro and really didn't play his last year in college. When's the last time this guy's played meaning, real meaningful football? It's been a while. Oh, by the way, he's got to block the best pass rusher in the league. And they, and they, made, and they made it very clear they put him on him. They, he, they, they made it very clear he was going to be did – you, did you notice that? Parsons moved around until Walker Little came in. Then he lined up at right end the rest of the game. They said, okay. And they helped him some. They, they chipped did help a little him. bit. That was smart. But they didn't help him every time. Because uh, Baselli was watching that, and I asked him. He said, look. He said they helped him some. They also helped Cam some, too. They helped, I mean, you got that, that's a great pass rushing team. But there's sometimes they didn't help him at all. There was some five wide, and he handled He handled Micah Parsons. Don't, don't underestimate the importance of that. How about Travis Etienne? When you needed a big game from your running back, if at least just to compete, just to hold the ball for a while. You know, running plays hold the ball. The clock keeps running. The sticks keep moving. He had a 100-yard game. If you started – how about Foya Luicon? How many? I don't know how many tackles he had. 14. But he was – it seemed like everybody that Rayshon Jenkins wasn't tackling, <laughs> didn't it feel that way that Foya Luicon was tackling, 
right? So if you start adding up the heat, I just went through about eight guys. How about oh, Jamal we, Agnew? I was right? just about to say Jamal Agnew. And Jamal yeah. Agnew is a, how many? 52 big, yards on the ground. Yeah, 17.3 yard average. Yeah, and, 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 one, and one very important return. So, so there's no question that if you start adding up the heroes in that game, there were a bunch of them, man. There I think were a you bunch can of throw them. in Arden Key. With his sack and a half, Josh it's, Allen getting his yes. sack. Where Josh Robertson Allen, Josh Allen, had pressure. Josh Allen, good point, Lauren. Josh Allen probably played his best game in a month and a half. Mm-hmm. You you realize that mm-hmm. he probably played his best game in a month and a half. Darius Williams had a huge pass breakup. Dewan Smoot had a huge pass breakup. Hayes, it felt like we could literally keep going. Yeah, I mean Logan Cook had yep. a forty-eight yard net average on his three punts. That was something when I talked to Josh Allen after the game uh, for the one-on-one. He mentioned, you know, Logan did a great job of of you know, backing them up as, mu- as right. much as possible. And yeah, it, and, and that's why I think there's such excitement is there are so many heroes in this game and it's why it's so much fun. We don't, you know, we talked last week about, I don't want to have to wait until Sunday, but we don't have to this week. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> this is basically a Thursday of a normal game week. And yep. I think to your point about Walker Little, Phil Rauscher coming in is also one of the huge uh, decisions that Doug Peterson made as far as hires because this offensive line has been extraordinary. Obviously, losing Cam Robinson is going to hurt, but hopefully not that much if Walker Little can play well. Baselli, who knows that stuff so well, and and has told me which offensive line coaches weren't good. Mm-hmm. I haven't necessarily said it on the air because the guys were on staff here. Sure, he thinks Rauscher is really good, like really, really good, like a good teacher, a good emotional leader. Um, so if you add all of it up, there was a lot of heroes. And let me say this again. That's a good Dallas team. There's five, there's 32 teams in the league. Five teams entered the weekend with double digit wins. I just did the math. That means 27 did not. Five teams had double digit wins. And by the way, when you have double digit wins and you're in a division with another team that also has double digit wins, it's pretty hard to do. So, uh, the Dallas Cowboys are a good team. They didn't choke that game away. Now maybe if you're a Dallas fan, you feel like you did, but Dallas didn't. Dallas didn't up and start doing things wrong. The D- Dallas didn't have turnovers left and right. Yeah, they had a couple picks, but it's not like Dallas was was fumbling in the red zone or da- I mean Dallas busting coverages. It wasn't like that. Dallas Dallas is a good football team. The Jaguars didn't luck in or fall into a win. The Jaguars won that game because they went and took it from a really good football team. I mean that was a. I'm telling you, man, that one was exhilarating. That one was energizing that was a major big 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 boy win yeah we talked about it last week the Jaguars have momentum but the biggest difference in this game is going to be the quarterback Trevor Lawrence is a better quarterback than Dak Prescott and I think his Dak Prescott showed why people don't trust him yeah and uh and again then the day got even better because Mm -hmm. the Los Angeles Chargers came through uh, and so it's uh, the backup kicker. Yeah, I mean, so it's you know you, you've now beaten, uh, you've beaten the as of now leader in the AFC South. You've beaten the Ravens, who have won nine games. You beat the Cowboys, who to your point, Frank, have won ten games. They have a point differential of plus one twenty five. Um, I mean, these are huge wins uh, that this team is getting. Uh, you know, even even the Raiders have at least won six games. I mean, even though it should really be five, uh, but they got a huge gift yesterday. But um, but yeah, I mean, in in terms of what they're doing, I mean, it's it's beyond belief. And boy, Thursday is going to be. I I I, I can't imagine if you own a sports bar in Jacksonville. I yeah. got to think you're headed to a huge night. Uh, hopefully, you know our friends at, at Island Link Company at those yeah. two locations. I'm sure. It's going to be wild, but uh, but yeah, it's the city is now on fire. 
Yeah, it really is. And so, so again, these are now playoff games. You're not just in the conversation. You're not in the graph. You're not just in the graphic anymore. You are. These are playoff. These are elimination games. They are games where if you don't lose, you cannot be eliminated. The Jaguars. I can tell you this now. I've done the math. I'm, a math, I'm kind of a math guy, public school guy. That if the Jaguars don't lose another football game, they will win the Super Bowl. That would be correct. Well you, done. On do the you realize math. that? If they don't lose another football game, they win the Super Bowl. Are you guaranteeing that? Not yet. <laughs> okay. 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 I'm more about math and philosophy than predictions. Okay. But if they don't, but they they if they don't lose another game, they keep playing. There's no there's no ifs and they don't need any help. They don't need they don't need a scoreboard watch. They just when you win your game and you don't have if you win your games, nothing else can change that because if they win all their games. At worst case, they'll have the same record as the Titans and will have beat them twice. So if they win all their games, they, these are these are now playoff. They're not. You know, sometimes we call them playoff games, right. but they're really not. You know, because you need this and this, and they're important games. And you're in the graphic, and you're an important game in December. Not anymore. Now they're eliminated for the Jaguars. And they're by, by the way, they're not necessarily eliminated if they lose one of them, but they are guaranteed to not be eliminated if they don't lose any of them. It's exciting stuff. I have one more hero, and that would be the Jaguars fans. I thought, yes, were there great. were a lot of Cowboys fans, I what have you, but totally agree. the Jaguars fans that were there, I thought had so much energy. And, and yes, you could certainly feel it when Trevor fumbled that ball. You could just feel the collective gasp in the stadium. But the moment, obviously, the, the Jag went back on defense, I thought that TIA Bankfield was one of the loudest I've heard it in a long time. And you're right. That is a great point. It's harder for me to hear completely because i got the headsets sure. on. But you're right. Typically, not typically, too many times the Jags haven't been winning. This is a beautiful place to visit, too. We've got great beaches. We've got great golf. We've got great weather. We've got great restaurants. So teams are going to come here. The fans that live in the area, all these people that have moved to Florida during all the pandemic and whatever uh, are fans of all these teams. So we saw it with the Giants. We've seen it over the years. With the, we saw it with the Ravens. We've seen it with the Steelers and these other teams over the years. Um, Lord knows we saw it with the 49ers last year. Well, this year, the Cowboys travel as well as anybody. But when the Cowboys fans bought all those tickets, I think within the last week or two, Jaguar fans said not so sure, not so fast. They went and bought the rest of them. And the Jaguar fans counterpunched yesterday. That's a great point, Lauren. Those Jaguar fans didn't back down yesterday. They It did not. The Giants game, let's be honest, felt like a Giants home game. Didn't it? Mm-hmm. It felt like a Giants. This did not feel like a Cowboys home no. game. It felt like there was a, a, a boatload of Cowboys fans at a road game, but it did not feel like a Cowboys home game. And Jaguar fan, I'm glad you said that, Lauren. Tip of the cap to Jaguar fan. I will right, we'll take a break. Now what? As we move forward, now what? We we just said what happens if they win them all. Apparently, now what is a Super Bowl trophy? <laughs> I'll say it again. If they don't lose another game, they win the Super Bowl, right? If they don't win another game, lose another game, they win the Super. I mean, I mean, and no other where team do you can think in the new in the Miller Electric Center they'll place the Lombardi? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I don't know that yet, but I, but I like it. I like the question. Okay, I'll say it again: If they don't lose another game, they are Super Bowl champions. Not everybody can say that. Okay, well, so, their coach has already won one. That's exactly right. So, uh, so if they don't win another, if they don't lose another game, they're Super Bowl champions. But what do these last three games bring? We'll talk about that after this. Stay with us. It's a Best Bet Monday on The Frangie Show with fantastic locations in Jacksonville, Orange Park, and now in St. Augustine. It's Best Bet. 27-24, Cowboys lead it. Trevor drops. Looks, pump fake. Fires in the back of the end zone. The Bulls caught. 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 Touchdown, Zay Jones. The Jags have taken the lead. How good is that? 
Jacksonville has taken the lead. What a back and forth game that was, huh? Unbelievable. The um, it's the best game I've ever seen, though. Yeah, me too. Me too. I was trying to, when when I saw you tweet that. I'm trying to think: is there have the Jaguars played a home game that was more exhilarating, meant more, um, top to bottom? And, and I can't think of one either because a lot of their big wins there have been low scoring. You know, right. it was Morton Anderson missing a kick. It was a ten to six win over the Bills in the playoffs. It was ten to nine last. You know, you know, it was a lot of their wins have not been. High scoring, back and forth, a lot of points, and the good guys win in a game that means everything. And the Seattle wins and the New England wins were fairly convincing. Right. The New England win was very convincing. Right. I don't remember what the final was, but I think they beat them by like 17 points. Right. And then the Seattle game was a little back and forth, like maybe in the third, but that game wasn't this. It didn't come down to, certainly didn't go to overtime, and it, and the it wasn't like Seattle took a lead with a minute and a half left, and then the Jaguars had to drive down to send it to overtime. And so those were the two that jumped out to me were Seattle and and the Patriots games. Uh, this game, I, this one is going to be hard to top. I mean, it had about everything in it, including a Jaguars victory. Absolutely, and and as much fun as all of this is, you already referenced it, Hayes. This team has to turn around and, and go up to New York, and that is a very fast turnaround for a team that is is coming off of such a high that is this win. And that's a perfect segue because I will tell you this. These are three – and listen to me when I tell you this. These are three hard games. Number one, the NFL is hard. It's a hard league. As football leagues go, this is a very good one. It's a hard league, man. The Kansas City Chiefs almost lost to the Texans. They needed overtime to beat them. The Chiefs, possibly the best team in the league, barely beat the Texans. The Cowboys probably should have lost to the Texans a week earlier. They play hard. They're probably going to win again. They're, they're probably not going to finish 1-16. They're so, going to win again this Sunday. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, hopefully and, it's this Sunday. And, and, it could, and it could be this <laughs> I was week. really surprised to see that line was 7. Now, it may no, change right. based off of what happens with Ryan Tannehill. But I, I would take Houston in 7. I would, too. But, but the – they're pretty good. The Jets the Jets have a better record than the Jags and a really good defense and are playing at home. At home in weather they're accustomed to with a better record than Jacksonville and a really good defense. That's not easy. Uh, that's that's not it's a hard game Thursday night. It's a hard game. The Texans have beaten the Jags what? 9 times in a row? Mm-hmm. 9 times in a row, okay? And you got to play them there and they have gained some confidence despite the fact they've only won one game. They've gained a modicum of confidence. And then you know the Titans are coming in here enraged if they're still in this thing. They're not used to losing twice to Jacksonville. They're not used to losing to Jacksonville at all. So know this is three really hard games. There's no easy games. And Again, if the Chiefs need overtime to beat the Texans, there's your proof how hard the league is. That's the Chiefs and the Texans and overtime. Should, that should tell you. Yeah, if you that, didn't know, that comment that that sure. comment should tell you. If you didn't know the records and you just looked at the NFL over these last two weeks, you would think Houston's a pretty good club, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they really should have beaten Dallas, and they gave Kansas City obviously everything they wanted. They took them to overtime. So, uh, and that's the quote easy game for the Jaguars. That's before you get to the recent history that's been so dreadful for the Jaguars against the Texans. Look, you're an underdog Thursday night. I may not agree with that. I would take the Jaguars, but you know, you're a one point underdog Thursday night. At so it the opened Jets. as a pick'em, and now it's moved it's to moved. the Jets are are favored. And you know the the 
week 18, if it comes down to it, the Jaguars might be favored. It's not going to be by much over Tennessee. At most, that's going to be Jaguars by three, something like that. So, yeah, these are three incredibly even, tough games to go in, and you just lost your left tackle. Do, are you surprised that the Jaguars and Jets didn't get a Saturday game because they have the short week with the Thursday nighter? Am I say that again? Am Are I you surprised, surprised the Jags and Jets say. didn't get Saturday yeah. games no, to give an extra day before the Thursday night? Probably not. I'm not oh, because oh, it's because oh. the Saturday games were all nationally televised yeah. games and they want more marquee teams in it. So, but I hear you. So and just because it was the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah. 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 Dallas. My guess is Dallas probably has their five. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, but yeah, it's a good. It would have been nice. Um, but the league doesn't care about <laughs> player safety and all. I mean, when yeah, it comes to that, I mean, it's it just is a fact. And so the the good news is. You will get the extra rest for the trip to Houston. That's right. Which will be which, good. which matters. And then I think the Titans get extra rest before the Week 18 game if it comes down to it. I think they, they play. Saturday. I think they play the Thursday, the final Thursday night. Oh, they game do. Okay, the they do. They yeah. play the Cowboys on Thursday night in yeah. Nashville. Yeah. So, uh, but so so. Oh, I didn't realize that mm-hmm. Thursday. Wow. How about how big will that game be? But uh, but I'm telling you, these games. Are, so let's start with the Jets. The Jets are seven and seven. You're getting Zach Wilson, not Mike White. I think everybody knows the Jets would rather play Mike White. Uh, he's at, he's been ruled out, has he not? Or is he? He, Salah didn't rule him out today, but it it's up in the air. But yeah. you would think if if doctors wouldn't clear him to play yeah. Sunday, yeah, boy, it's hard. It'd be hard to think in three or four days doctors are are comfortable with him yeah. playing with a rib injury. You would think. Yeah. He so, said, "quote He has a lot of hurdles to go through with scans this week." I think it's going to be Zach Wilson. I think yeah. so too. Yeah. Which I, I honestly don't. Even though he may not be as good of a quarterback, I don't love the Trevor Lawrence versus Zach Wilson and, and all that can be made out of but that. The, but the, the Amazon people will love it. Oh, I mean, for sure. So I mean that that's the that's the buildup is the is, is that's the One Amazon buildup correct? So, but I mean I'm just telling you, it's not an easy game. I the Jack is there a line? Yeah, the Jaguars are a one-point underdog. Okay, so okay, so okay, so they're, they're underdog. Okay, that, that that there's your proof. It's not an easy game. That doesn't mean they're not going to win the game, but they're an underdog. So this is a hard game, man. It, this is, and you don't want to feel like all's lost if you immediately turn around and lose after winning. But the way fan bases are and people in general are, and the national media is, this is a to maintain the momentum. They've got to win this game, which is a really really hard game. Yeah, the situation can get dire pretty quick for the Jaguars. If they do lose Thursday night to the Jets and the Titans are able to take care of business against a visiting Houston team, well, now you're really in some trouble. Now you need in Week 17, you've got to beat Houston on the road and you've got to have Dallas go into Nashville and win on Thursday night. So, um, you know, it's it's gigantic, but it's just – it's. It's so much fun that this is a conversation. I'm not having to watch some bowl game to figure out who they're going to take third overall in the draft. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's quite well. Yeah. It's we're we're going into Christmas, basically. I mean, they they play before Christmas, but we're basically at Christmas, and the Jaguars are absolutely. I think they're. I know they're not the betting favorite to win the AFC South, but boy, your gut feels like they're the favorite. Yeah, the eye test over the last couple of weeks should tell you that the Jaguars are in the catbird seat. Two players that scare me, and they're actually not on the Jets' defense. Garrett Wilson and C.J. Uzoma. When the Jaguars lost to the Bengals that yeah, night, I know it was an yeah. urban team, so it's different now with Doug Peterson, but Uzoma killed the Jags. And obviously Garrett Wilson has so much speed, 
And we saw what CD Lamb did to this team yesterday. Yeah, and Wilson th- Wilson threw for three hundred yards, and he just threw for three hundred yards in the game. And he was his percentage wasn't great; he was kind of no. up and down. He but was he, eighteen but to thirty five. Yeah, but he, but he threw but he but he, but he threw for a lot of yards. So Two touchdowns, no. one pick. Yeah, this will be look. I think the Jags have a better team than the Jets. I think they have more momentum than the Jets do now. But again, this is a really really important game. And again, I I wouldn't sleep on any of these three games. I I think they're all and. The good news is these are playoff games. You win the rest of your games, you win the Super Bowl. Okay, the uh, that's the good thing. The bad thing is you have no margin of error. Yes, it's conceivable you can lose one of them, and Dallas or Houston beats the Titans, but I wouldn't count on that. I would not. The say what you want about the Titans, that's a gritty bunch, man. That is a even last night or yesterday afternoon, uh, the Chargers were charging, right? And but that was in it was but it was a bizarre it was a f- wild finish you know I mean it, it was a wild finish to that game so the Titans are always uh, never is whether you like it or not whether you like them or not they're a hard team to ever count out I, I mean I really believe that the Titans are a hard team to ever count out because because they're used to winning and teams I mean you got to cut the head off the snake man you know so so best thing is keep winning I, I my hope is it would not surprise me. If both teams win the next two weeks and they really do enter the game, they really do enter the Titans game down a game, a game back. I don't think the Titans can beat the Cowboys. Oh, I don't know. I, I, uh, we'll see. Game in Nashville Thursday mm-hmm. night. Yeah, I think they, they just seem to be leaking so much oil. And they are. And they are. I, I don't disagree with that. They, they, are, they are a wounded team. But they almost went out there and won yesterday. They almost – I mean, and the, I'm the Chargers aren't the Cowboys, but – I was. I mean, I picked them to win yesterday. I mean, cause just because that's what they freaking do, you know. So I. Uh, uh, what, what's your guess on on the Titans the rest of the way? One and one before they come here. One and one. That, that that's that's your guess too. I'm honestly leaning more towards zero and two. I think oh. the Texans are playing much better football than the Titans are right now. Yeah, we'll see. It's going to be interesting. But it's going to come down to we. Even if they go no matter what happens, yeah, and the Jags win both, yeah, they still would have to beat the Titans. And- Correct. If if, if if they go zero and two and the Jags win both, the Jags are one game ahead. If they if they then lose, they split. The Titans have the tiebreaker, correct? Because of the division record, right? That's right. Yeah. So it's 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 head. Griffin and I were talking about this earlier. It's head to head, then it's division, then it's conference. Yeah. So those that's the order of the tiebreakers: head to head, division, conference. So you're right. Even if the Jags win twice and the Titans lose twice. The Jags still have to win the game. The Jags, the Jags would still have to win the game because the only tiebreaker they would have is head to head. So it's, it's it's interesting stuff. So, but I say what what a great win. Uh, John Oger will be by at five o'clock to talk more about it. Uh, the the mood of the team, the the culture of the team, the health of the team. Obviously, you got to move forward without Cam Robinson. I'm intrigued to see what Walker Little brings. I am too. I mean, look, it's the one position where or not the one, but it's one position where the Jaguars have some enviable depth there. I mean, there aren't a lot of teams that their swing tackle would be a, a young second-round pick. Uh, so you you hope that Walker Little is ready. Athletically, he's ready. I mean, he's got all the tools that you need. It's just, uh, is he ready to, to, to do this? And it's going to be a tough – this will be, for you know, for his standpoint – uh, this is going to probably be the the toughest challenge with what the Jets do, how how great they have been defensively. Um, you know, I mean, now granted, what he did, Dallas has the best, but it's. I've, I always think it's easier for these guys. It seems like when guys have to 
come off the bench in those situations. They tend to play pretty well. Right. But then when the opponent has all week to sort of study you and, and figure plan it for, out. And, and plan for a potential weakness. Yeah, then it gets much harder. So we'll see. But, I mean, I Walker Little's given me no doubt or no reason to think he can't get the job done. So I'm excited. Yeah, the uh, and I can tell you this. Hear this. We were an eyelash yesterday from seeing Walker Little left tackle and Blake Hansett right. Yeah, we were – glued to yeah. that huddle when they came yeah, out onto yeah. the field from that timeout to mm-hmm. see who the tackles would be. Juwan Taylor was able to come back in, which meant uh, Walker Little's only backup. Earlier in the game when Scherf was down for just a hair longer, it looked like Blake Hans was running onto the field at that point in time. So I was like, okay, so this guy is now, he's the backup right guard and the backup right tackle in that scenario after Walker yeah, Little has he, to be the left tackle. And he's well ahead of where Colvin Landon is. He's he's well ahead. I mean, he's so, so. Shocker. Good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I mean, but well, you know, you know how they feel about Van Landen a little bit, but they also kind of like Hans. They actually think Hans is a pretty good little player. So they, so, so we'll see. I'll take a break. Let's get to the bowl games. The uh, Gators streak continues, four thirty six in counting. That's right. Gigantic news when Mahalik knocked that thing right through there. <laughs> Gigantic news. We'll talk uh, where the Gators headed after this. Stay with us. It's a Best Bet Monday on The Frangie Show with fantastic locations in Jacksonville, Orange Park, and now in St. Augustine. It's Best Bet. Dropping the throw against a four-man rush. He's going to have to scramble out of there. The Jags are going to hit him if he let it go. That ball is intercepted. It's picked off in the secondary. Rayshon Jenkins is going to run it back. He got it back to the 20-yard line for the Jaguars. What a game from Rayshon Jenkins and... Excellent calls all throughout the game by Frank Frangie, Jeff Lagerman, and Tony Maselli. It is a Best Bet Monday. The 12 Days of Christmas High Hands continues this week with high hands ranging from $1,900 today up to $2,300 on Friday, December 23rd. So make sure you get by the Best Bet. Well, as exciting as yesterday was, Frank, I will tell you, Saturday watching the Gator game live was not nearly as exciting, but at least... The shutout oh, the was streak. preserved. You, that, let me tell you what happened when they, when, they, when they continued the streak. That's the jump start to the next era. Okay, Once you make that, oh, kidding me now? Did you think now he was going to go for it and just say, Now it all comes oh, well. together. Uh, well, I think fourth and two, we would have gone for it. <laughs> yeah. Fourth, what was it, fourth and 23? Were you even watching? No. <laughs> Did you go back and watch? <laughs> no. Oh, you, watch, you I was were watching. spared. Of course I was watching. I was watching. But uh, I will tell you, I did not do three push-ups because I was okay. too angry. Did you uh, Did you want him to kick the field goal? Yes. Uh, of course you kicked it. You know, here's why. Because you don't have much that going on down there right now. Right. But you do have that streak that's like 200 ahead. Of the, isn't it like 200 ahead of the next guy or something like that? Something uh, like that. Well, it broke the, I think it's broke the record by like 56. Yeah, okay. So, so okay. so Because they've had the record now for like five years. Okay. Yeah, well, I was you know six what? in so I, 1988. There's not much. Can we keep that record? Correct. Is that okay? I mean, and so in five years from now when it's, when it's 500 straight, yeah, I'm not, no one's going to worry about the fact that they kicked a field goal in Vegas five years earlier. I mean, the streak survived Treon Harris, so <laughs> twenty-seven to two. I'm not sure yeah. that the the streak will ever yeah that's, ever die. That's right. Um, all right, let me give you some thoughts on Florida football. First of all, uh, Jack Miller's probably not the next quarterback. The uh, oh, he was fine, by the way, but there, but he 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 didn't do anything wrong. He didn't do anything great. He was fine. I think it was obvious that he did not get a lot of practice reps throughout the season. Correct. He hadn't played play, hadn't played since high school. So so, but he was he's fine. He you know what? I hope he stays. I'm serious, but I hope he stays there. And I hope he's a good backup to whatever portal guy comes in. 
I guess everyone's saying Grayson McCall now. Is that the talk? The the guy you hate? I guess. I mean, because there's, I mean, you might as well, you know, take a kid from Coastal Carolina right. um, to rescue your program. I know that's what I would do if, if, if you know, my job hung in the balance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, forget, you know, Sam Hartman or Cam Rising, guys that have done it at a big program. Yeah. You know, let's go get, I don't even, I can't even tell you where Coastal Carolina is. It's in goddamn Carolina's where it is, Carlion. Coastal Carolina. Myrtle Beach. Just outside of Myrtle Beach. Matt Hayes was saying on primetime that I'm Grayson sure Kirby McCall's Smart is shaking at <laughs> the idea good. of having to play Grayson. What's his name? Grayson, Grayson McCall. McCall. I have not watched a lick of him play. Obviously, if he becomes the quarterback, I'll go back through. But until then, I'm not going to watch Coastal Carolina highlights. Here's what I'll tell you, joking aside about Florida. I do believe Billy Napier will recruit good players. It may not happen as fast as Miami's getting them in terms of fours and five stars. It, it may they may not it's, it's this week right and it's Wednesday yeah, it's, it, it may not finish as as fast as Gator fans want it to that top five now top eight recruiting class might be top eleven uh, I don't follow it closely are they still top eight it's it's probably going to come in around eleven okay would be my yeah, guess yeah. Miami is getting everybody that they want yeah so uh, they they've lost yeah. pretty much all momentum I, I you know so Miami has surged to I think third right now yeah. in the twenty four seven and the UCF guy is not flipping now it doesn't and, and, seem I see like fourth it. on twenty four seven sports yeah. so, for so 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 where, where's Florida there on that one. Florida is at 11. Okay, so Florida, so so it may not be a top five or top eight recruiting class. It may be 11 this year, which is lower than I expected, and it may not have. I think he will build the machine. I don't know how quickly he'll build it. It may. I think they got to get to eight or nine wins next year. I don't think you can have another five and seven or six and six, whatever. You think he needs an offensive coordinator? Well, I'm going to get to that. Okay. I'm going to get to that. So, but, first, but first things first is I think he's going to – I think he will get good players. I think he has built the culture. I think there's more – Five stars. There's more four-star defensive linemen and wide receivers interested in Florida than there have been in a long time, and I think you have to have D linemen. So uh, their their football team will become an improved team. This will be way more Charlie Pell than the end of the Doug Dickey era. Charlie Pell improved them a great deal for where they were at the end of the Dickey era, but he wasn't Spurrier. Here's my concern. I've now watched every play of their season. I can definitively say I've watched every play of their season. I'm a diehard, but diehards do. I am fearful that he's ordinary as a play caller and that they have to figure that part out. He did get fired at Clemson as an offensive coordinator. That's a reality. He was fired as an offensive coordinator. And then watching them, I watched a little bit of that Louisiana, the last game they played last year after he was going to have the job or had the job, and then watching them, I guess he had the job, and then watching them this year, uh, there's nothing exotic. Now, look, Kirby Smart had to figure that out. Kirby Smart had to figure out coordinator. Um, Dabo Swinney had to figure it out. They were ordinary until he figured out the right coaching. But both those guys were going to build the program. So, uh, and, and, I'm, and I made the comment on Twitter and other places, like we all have, that Nick Saban and Kirby Smart won, lost six and five games respectively their first couple of years. Well, you can't compare them. Well, actually you can because that's the only comparison you have. You're not saying he's going to go be Kirby Smart or Nick Saban. But that is the only – the comp is there. It's in the SEC. It's a blue blood program that's got a bunch of national championships in recent years. And now you've got – now you're taking over. All the facilities are in place. All the heritage is in place. The recruits are nearby. You got as, you got them, as much money as you're going to need. So that's, that's, how, that's why you do make the comparison. That's why the comparison makes sense. Whether or not he's worthy of that comparison, we'll find that out. But that's why the comparison makes sense. Nick Saban was 7-6 and six and lost to Louisiana Monroe. That's the reality. The, this guy, Kirby Smart was 8-5 and five and lost to Vanderbilt. That's a reality. Now, 
along comes Billy Napier, who's six and seven and lost to Vanderbilt also. So to say the comparisons aren't true is in it may not come true, but where we sit now, the comparison makes all the sense in the world. Blue blood school, SEC, lots of money, lots of recruits, lots of heritage, blah, blah, blah. I do worry about the coaching and the development. I haven't seen bad stuff, but you didn't have to watch Steve Spurrier. You didn't have to watch Dan Mullen very long to know there was something there with quarterback development and, and, and play calling. You didn't have to watch very long. There's a lot of other things wrong with Dan Mullen, recruiting and energy and culture, and that's one of the reasons he's not there anymore. But you didn't have to watch very long to figure out the play calling was there. That's what worries me the most is will Billy Napier, who really obviously wants to call plays, he fancies he's a former quarterback at Furman, he's a former offensive coordinator at Clemson, he's been an assistant coach at Arizona State and Alabama. It's clear he wants to be a spurrier. He wants to go call his plays. Urban Meyer never wanted to call plays. Will Muschamp never wanted to call defensive plays. Ron Zook never wanted to call plays. The, uh, he, Jim McElwain, did he? No, he didn't. He had brought Nussmeyer in, so he didn't call plays, right? Wasn't it Nussmeyer the whole time? Pretty much, right? Mm-hmm. So, and Pease, I think. And, and that's right. Mm-hmm. This, uh, or no, that no, was Pease a Muschamp. Was Muschamp. Yeah, so, yeah. so, but the point is, this is the first guy that's gotten there at Florida since Spurrier who wants to call his own plays. And the reality is Spurrier was good at it. He should have been calling his own plays. So that's the thing that concerns me. So I gave you a long answer to your short question, Lauren. That's what everyone's talking about. I don't know if – yes, I probably would think having another coordinator is a good idea. But bigger picture is I hope that gets better. I told you guys this a month ago. I, I screamed this into the mic a month or two ago. Recruiting looked great, right? They were trending toward a – what, hey, he's a top five or seven class, right? Mm-hmm. But I said, you've got to win. You Recruiting and winning keeps the recruits coming. Now, it didn't help. Miami didn't need to, so there's exceptions to the rule. But for the most part, you need to win to keep them coming. I think the reason Florida's faded a little bit is how the program has looked on the field the last, starting with the Vanderbilt loss. I think that has contributed to the fading a little bit of the recruiting. That's my opinion. So the final thought on that is, yes, I think they need to either get a coordinator or do something with their plan offensively. What he's going to have to do more than Kirby or Nick because it wasn't in play then, he's really going to have to mine this portal. Remember, now there's 1,600 players in it. Just because you haven't heard a big-name guy going there yet doesn't mean they're not going to. He's going to have to mine the portal. I laugh about – I have no idea if Grayson McCall is any good. I do think there is something to 75 touchdowns and seven picks or whatever it is. I think there's something to that. But I guess he's probably a pretty decent player. And wherever he lands at a FBS, he'll probably be pretty good. But I don't know that. I also didn't know who Michael Pratt was three weeks ago. I, I know who Sam Hartman is only because they play in FSU's league and I watch him. But they're going to have to get that guy, and I think they're going to have to go get six or seven portal guys that really impact them right away if they're going to try and get to that eight or nine wins, which is what I think they have to do next year. Yeah, I, I think they're in real trouble. Um, you know, I, I First off, and, and to me the offensive issues aren't, the biggest thing is they can't stop anybody like Florida is going to have to get to a point where they can field a good defense. They have certainly the ability to field an elite defense, but can you just get to be a good defense? Cause right now they're atrocious. They are atrocious defensively and you can't expect true freshmen to come in and save you there. So, and, and right now in the portal, he's brought in one defensive player one so unless things are really getting ready to pick up I 
it's it's hard for me to be overly optimistic. And you know, if Grayson McCall is what he decides to do at quarterback, boy, I'm going to be really interested in seeing what happens with these veteran guys at bigger schools. Uh, if if you see a Cam Rising leave Utah, you see Sam Hartman leave Wake Forest, and they go to SEC programs. I'm going to have a real problem with that uh, in terms of why Florida was not their destination. And look, I give Miami all the credit in the world, and I don't know what's going on with NIL. Uh, you know, so the signing class has become, I think, greatly disappointing in terms of where it looked like it might be going when Rashada committed. It's still a, a good class. They've still done very well on the defensive front, at receiver, uh, at corner. It's it's certainly not a bad group, but all you heard is, boy, if Florida could ever build this facility, if Florida could ever have a football standalone, boy, you'd see a big jump in recruiting. Well, that hasn't happened at all. This thing's up. This thing's been running since August. All these prospects have seen it. It's meant nothing. Nothing. And, you know, so I think that's disappointing. And I, I just – I look at it and I, I just don't see I, – I, what is Florida spending, and again, the Gator, I'm not talking about Billy Napier and the athletic program, but the Gator Collective, the Gator Guard, where is this money going? Because it's obvious other teams are spending, either on at the high school level or in the portal or to retain key players. I, I mean, what, what, where, where's any evidence that, that Florida's doing anything in NIL that's making a difference. Now, again, maybe in three weeks, we'll have a lot of evidence to that. But I'm ready to see results, okay? I'm not, I'm, I, I am willing to say that there's another few weeks here before spring semester starts, and they've got some time. But the results need to start coming quickly. We'll take a break now because we're over, but I want you, Lauren, I want you to weigh in on everything Hayes said. I'll start by saying I don't think they're coming that quickly. But we'll see. We'll take a break after this. Stay with us. It's a Best Bet Monday on The Frangie Show with fantastic locations in Jacksonville, Orange Park, and now in St. Augustine. It's Best Bet. The 12 Days of Christmas High Hands continues along. Man, oh man, they're having a big time. Out of the Best Bet. High Hands ranging from $1,900 today to $2,300 on Friday. You're going to have a big time. Head there to the Best Bet Jacksonville. Now, all three locations are participating now. So Jacksonville, that's on Monument Road. You know Orange Park, right there on 17. And, of course, St. Augustine, the brand-new one right off the uh, right off the interstate. You will love it. High hands for a chance to win between $21 and $2,300. And table share Tuesday, by the way. That's tomorrow at Best Bet Jacksonville. $300 high hands, $100 table share every 30 minutes. They're trying to give you some holiday money, Brooks, is the idea. That's right. Holiday money is what it's all about. That's right. Six days left till Christmas. Yeah. So, Frank, you'll be shopping in the next five days. Well, comma, <laughs> I may not. Okay. What have you figured out? Well, that's what you're wanting, <laughs> wanting to know, isn't it? What I might have done is we are um, going, Suzanne's going with me to New York mm-hmm. on Wednesday. We're going to spend three days up there, do the game, and she and another couple are going up there with us. So the four of us are going to kind of hang out. I'll do the game. They'll all go to the game, and then I'll, and then we're coming back Saturday afternoon to have Christmas, like Christmas Eve night with Amber McKenzie. So we're doing that. So, um, so 
we said, oh, that's Christmas Eve night. We're not going to get back till 5 o'clock or so. Let's have Christmas tomorrow night. So we're all having, Susanna are doing our exchange tomorrow night. Which meant I was busy today, Brooks, okay? That's what you need to know, okay? I had a very busy day today, okay? So the shopping has been so here's accomplished. What you need, here's what you need, uh, much of it. Had had a uh, had had to do my Channel Four hit my Monday morning quarterback. I do on Channel Four. Got out of there about seven fifty one Eastern. Okay, um, is that using the Navy Master Clock? It is. Okay. And then um, right after that, uh, I got going about nine o'clock this morning. Here's what happened: locked in. Came okay? I came off the edge. Okay, LT doesn't come off the edge the way I did today. Okay, <laughs> just so you know, went hard. Okay, never backed down. Okay, you don't back down. Okay. You know who doesn't back down? Two people, Tom Petty and me. Okay, so uh, I probably got uh, 96% of it done today. Well, it is tomorrow night, so 4% tomorrow, and then you're done? Tomorrow's so easy now. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you kidding me? So I got one more thing to get, so there you go. Well, well done. I'm very proud of so you. There. I am not done Christmas shopping, uh, but I have more time than you do. By the way, real quick before I talk to you guys about uh, Florida, Gardner Minshew may start Saturday for the Eagles against the Cowboys because Jalen Hurts has a sprained shoulder. How about that? Uh, so, so that, that is why, why we were talking in the break are a three point favorite. Donna about that. Yep. And she said the bookies always know something. And I obviously that's mentioned what, it because former know. Jaguars uh, quarterback Gardner Minshew would be the starter. So that's what they know. Yep. So I think Billy Napier's play calling is below average. And I also think because he's so focused on play calling, his in-game clock management is terrible. And so there were multiple times this season we were all just sitting at home scratching our heads going, why would you take a time out there? That's not what you're supposed to do. Or at the end of the half, multiple things botched. So I think that's part of why he has to give it up. The other part of it is I just don't think he was very good at it. Now, granted, he had kind of a wild card at quarterback, and so maybe that improves if he does get a transfer porter quarterback who is a seasoned veteran and, and knows where to go with the football. Here's my guess on him as a play caller, manager, coach. He's obviously a good football guy. His dad was a coach. He played quarterback. Uh, he's coached under Nick Saban. Uh, he's coached at Clemson with Dabo. He obviously has the pedigree, okay, to be a good football guy. That doesn't mean you've got a knack for it. I think my guess is Monday through Thursday, Monday through Friday, his game plan is as good as anybody's. I think it's they're organized, they're detailed, the attention to detail, they practice. But on Saturday, there's a knack when to call the trick play, when not to, when to go for it on fourth down, when not to, when to when to call timeout, how to use the end of your half. You do get the sense that there's nothing exotic there and there's nothing that made you go, wow, he's good at it. I'm not saying he's terrible at it. Too. Back to your point about the wild card, he, got, he inherited a quarterback rather than getting one that mm-hmm. he recruited. And as good as Anthony Richardson is at a lot of stuff, there's stuff he's not great at. There, there, there's stuff he's not great at, so we have to figure that part out as well. But but my gut would tell me that that that's going to be an area of concern. I, I I do. In fairness to Billy Napier, let him have at least a year or two where the high percentage of the guys that come in there are his guys. I do think that matters. Have at least a year or two where the high percentage of I will tell you, year one under Urban Meyer, I was really underwhelmed by the play calling. I was really underwhelmed by the 05 season. Leak was his quarterback, which wasn't his kind of guy. Tebow wasn't there yet. He was, he was uh, Harvin wasn't there yet. So we had a bunch of guys he inherited. Now he had some good players. Leak's a good player. Uh, Chad Jackson, and Andre Caldwell, and Deshaun Wynn. There's some good players. But I was really underwhelmed. I remember thinking, this Mullen guy and this Urban guy. What, I mean, remember, Mike Sanford had been his coordinator at Utah. 
Mullen was just a quarterback coach. Mullen had never called plays before. Sanford took the UNLV job. Remember that? So when you, so when Urban came from Utah to Florida, he didn't have his coordinator, so he brought his quarterback's coach, Dan Mullen, to be the coordinator who had never called plays before. And Urban had never called plays. Do you remember 05? Mm-hmm. That was it very was sloppy. It was sloppy. That it, 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 it looked like it wasn't going to fit in the SEC. Exactly right. It looked so. And I remember thinking 05, they looked li- like lousy play callers. I remember Kirby's first year. It looked sloppy. I don't even remember who the coordinator was. Was it Bobo? I don't. I could even tell you the coordinator was Kirby's first That's year. That's what I think. Yeah. The, but, but it didn't look right. It, it, it never looked right. So I think you need time in that league, getting your people in place. But I get, I'll get. i say this about Urban. If Mullen hadn't been the guy, he'd have fired his ass and brought in the next guy. Urban didn't care. He's a mercenary. I don't think Billy's got much mercenary in him. You know, so, but I think you got to get that part figured out. Because, oh, by the way, two of Florida's best players this season were recruited by Billy Napier and developed by Billy yeah, Napier. Yeah. Montreal Johnson and Osiris Torres. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no question. But And that's a great point. But I do think this. I don't think the player procurement is over on Wednesday. I do think Wednesday the signing class is going to be 11 or 12, not 5 to 7. I do think Miami's going to be way higher. And Miami's got a good staff, by the way. Charlie Strong's on the staff. I think Randy Shannon's on the staff. I mean, Miami's not just in NAL money. Mario Cristobal's a really good recruiter. He's been a really good recruiter everywhere. He was a really good recruiter at Rutgers. He's a really good recruiter with really good recruiters on his staff. They didn't look like they were very well coached either, by the way. I watched enough Miami games. They looked sloppier than Florida did. They looked like they had no idea what they were doing. Miami I mean, might might be the only Division yeah. One team Florida could beat. Yeah, Josh, Josh, <laughs> Josh Gaddis, the offensive coordinator. He they brought him in because A he's a great recruiter, and B he had he he was at the coordinator at Michigan last year. He didn't call the plays last year. Jim Harbaugh called the plays last year, not Josh Gaddis. So they brought him in with Michigan pedigree and is a good recruiter. So I'm not sure Michigan. I'm not sure Miami's very good at any of that stuff either. So so but give both those guys some time. I have a hunch. There's going to be some stuff happen between now and when the semester starts or just after the semester starts that'll make people like you and me and Lauren feel better. I don't know what it is. Um, I don't think, I think the recruiting year class is what it is. I don't think it's going to be 11 or I don't think it's going to be all of a sudden go from 11 to two, but I think whether it's late recruits, whether it's early 24 commitments to go with Lagway whether it's a portal guy that you do want, like Cam Rising or Hartman or Pratt or one of those guys, I think there's going to be more in the procurement phase between now and spring practice. I don't know exactly what that'll be, but I think so. I I think the there pro- better be. Yeah, to I, Hayes's I, point earlier, there I think be. there's going to be players there, Lauren. I think he's going to get players in. I, I I believe in all my heart he's going to get players in there. I think he's Charlie Pell, a little bit of a nicer guy. I think he's Charlie Pell. I think he's going to build. Charlie Pell got there, and I, I love Doug Dickey, but when Doug Dickey left, it was broken. Look, I'm old enough to remember this. I was in school then, okay? And Charlie Pell showed up and said, we're going to build this. The same way Billy needed that football facility, Charlie needed the end zone. You probably don't remember that, but I bet your dad could tell you this oh, story. Sure, yeah. you could, well, we're going to build the stadium. We're going to build these booster clubs, the Gator Clubs from Key West to Pensacola. We're going to rally the troops. Charlie Pell built the infrastructure of Florida football, he just wasn't a good enough coach, and he cheated some, you know. So I, I can remember. I can remember in seventy. I've told you guys this story before. Nineteen seventy nine, they were 0, 10 and one. Oh ten and one. They'd never been that bad. Now Doug Dickey was. They weren't goodness last year, but they were four and seven. They were 0, ten and one. Okay, because he didn't have. He didn't have a very good coordinator. So he went and hired this young. You know the story. He went and hired this young coordinator, this brand new young guy that nobody knew much about. That had been in Oklahoma and LSU around, but they, they paid him a bunch of money because Florida had a bunch of money. And they brought in this just really young guy that had a lot of great ideas. His name was Mike Shanahan. Not Kyle Shanahan. 
I don't know if he had Kyle yet, okay? He didn't. They, they brought in Mike Shanahan, and he changed the fortune of Florida football. And from they were good offensively from that point forward. And so – but Charlie didn't want to call plays. So I think bringing in players are going to be okay. May it be slower. I think they'll build culture. I think they'll develop players. I think they'll bring in players. To your point, the four best offensive players, uh, Johnson, Etienne, Torrance, and Pearsall – are four guys that Billy recruited. That's that's four guys Billy brought into the program. The other guys he did not. Now he also brought Jack Miller into the program, and so so I, I think they'll be okay with getting players. I hope he's good enough at running the show. That's my question. I don't worry about recruiting. I don't worry about development. I worry about coaching, and we'll see. And I just I worry about it. So we'll see what winds up happening. I'm not I'm not convinced on it. So we'll see what happens. All right. So we'll take a break. When we come back, I want to get back to some Jaguars football. I told you it's going to be mostly Jaguars today. Hayes Carline caught up with some of the principals in the locker room after the ball game. You'll hear from some of those cats right after this. It's a best bet Monday on the Frangie Show with fantastic locations in Jacksonville, Orange Park, and now in St. Augustine. It's best bet. There have been some questions as to why Josh Allen hasn't been more of a factor. Hayes, I thought he played his best game. I thought I thought he was all over the field. The yeah, he really was. And uh, it's good to see he's had a couple good games in a row now. You uh, think back to the Titans game. He had a sack, a, a fumble recovery on the sideline there. Nice play. And, uh, yeah, certainly again yesterday, Josh Allen with a sack made his presence known. Uh, yesterday, Josh Allen played well. And afterwards, Hayes Carline caught up with him in the locker room. Nobody goes behind the scenes and inside the locker room better than Hayes Carline. Here's Hayes with another one-on-one on the Frangie Show. Please be joined with Jaguars outside linebacker Josh Allen here on 1010XL 92.5 FM. It's great to see you. How you doing? I'm doing, oh, I'm doing, doing great now. Congratulations on the win. That was incredible. Thank you. Thank you. What stood out to you about this one, Josh? The fight. You know, just guys going out there, putting their bodies on the line, man, just never giving up. You know, we never gave up on each other, not one bit. Offense, defense, special teams. Uh, Logan, you know, shout out to Logan, man. He flipped the field for us plenty of times, man, and we couldn't do it without everybody doing their job. Yeah. You guys were able to to get a a key stop there late. Trevor fumbles. They recover. uh, But you guys not only able to get a three and out, but conserve one of those timeouts. Uh, Talk about that. What were you guys able to do on that stand? You you get a three and out, put the offense back. Man, the offense has been doing anything all game. We knew that was just one of those blips, and you know, in 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 the system of the game that we play, uh, plays like that happen all the time. But we knew get the offense back on the field, get three and out, handle what we need to handle, so the offense can go back and handle what they need to handle. I think, and they did that, and we got them points. Went to overtime, handle business, and we got to continue to keep going. Was there something that stood out in the second half defensively about why you guys were able to to get the takeaways and the stops today, Josh? Rashad Jenkins. <laughs> Man, that guy all over the field. Coach put him in a position to win because, you know, he just put him in a position to win, and he made every opportunity count. Uh, 18, with 18 tackles, two picks, and a pick six to win a game against a team like this. Man, that was a hell of a performance, man. Hell of a team win. Man, it's just I'm, I'm excited to watch the film. Yeah. What were your emotions seeing Rayshon take it back for the walk-off? I don't know. Like I was telling him earlier, man, I was running. When he caught it and I was trying to find somebody to block, I was running not saying anything because I'm trying to, like, process everything that's going on. Like, it's we did it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, 
But for him, like I said, man, the dude, he was locked in the whole game. He's been play, he's having a hell of a season, playing the best football I've ever seen to play, and we need a performance like that. Uh, wow, love him, and hopefully he continues to stay healthy, continue to be a great asset for us, and hopefully few more people to go have performances like that as well. Josh, what kind of strides do you feel like you're making out of sack last week, a fumble recovery? How did you feel like it went for you today, and and what kind of strides do you feel like you're, you've made in these last few weeks? Uh, just staying the course, man. Uh, really trying to do my part, man. We all got a 111 that we need to do, uh, and just you know finish the season strong. Uh, I think we're in a good position for us to to make a run. I think we're on the track. We're doing what we need to do to handle business, and I think if we continue to handle that, guys continue to make plays and and and, and, and to grow. I think we can. I think we can make a good. We're gonna make a good run at this, and uh, I want to be a part of it. Absolutely, Josh. What are you seeing out of Trevor Lawrence? MVP caliber quarterback, man, somebody that can lead the offense to, to win games, meaningful games. Uh, Coach Doug preached to us, you know, we want to play good games in December. We want to play meaningful games in December. And I think right now, again, like I said earlier, you know, we're at the end of the quarter and we have guys elevating, you know, taking taking that step forward and doing what they need to do to finish the season. And Trevor's one of those guys. And I know he's going to continue. He comes into work ready to, 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 to take the next step. And I'm excited for him. I'm excited for this offense. Pray for Cam. Uh, hopefully he gets a speedy recovery. Hopefully there's nothing crazy going on with him. Uh, but we're here for him, and we're going to finish the season strong. Josh, you've got experience playing on Thursday Night Football. What's the key now for the team and for all the individuals in terms of getting ready to go win a second game in five days? Get your body right. That's that's get your body right. Uh, I, think, I don't think the the plays are not going to change as much, but get your body right. I think it's going to be a cold game, Thursday, quick turnaround game, and get your body right. Josh Allen, thanks so much for your time. Congratulations, and uh, have a Merry Christmas if I don't talk to you between now and then. Thank you. Same here. Yeah, Josh Allen, three tackles yesterday. Uh, obviously, uh, the sack was huge, uh, a couple big plays behind the line. So uh, good to see, and you know that's going to be the key. There's still enough of this book to be written in terms of this season where Josh Allen can change the narrative of how this season has gone for him. It's been kind of lackluster. He's starting to pick it up. Go get Zach Wilson down a couple times on national TV on Thursday night, and people will start talking about Josh Allen again in a really positive way. You know something, Hayes, uh, and he's a big part of the defense. Let's get to the offense quickly. I like the fact that they're using Jamal Agnew is more than a returner. He's explosive. He is, and uh, he's got a real chance Thursday night, I think, against the Jets to to make an impact in a variety of ways. Um, but offensively, he's really running the ball well. I mean, again, three carries, 17.3-yard average yesterday in the win over Dallas. Yeah, and I think Jamal Agnew wants to be used more, too. Mm-hmm. So not just for stats. Purposes. I, I mean, he I think he likes getting the football, and he is. He's so incredibly fast. And, and one other thing, going back to Josh Allen, that was without Trayvon Walker in the game, too. And, and that's somebody, you know, they've been able to play off of each other all season long, so to not have him in to still make that impact. Uh, Jamal Agnew uh, is making an impact on the offense. He's caught up with them after the game. We're pleased to be joined with Jaguars receiver Jamal Agnew here on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Man, it's great to see you. Congratulations on the win. Thank you, man. I appreciate it, man. That was crazy. That was crazy. What does this one uh, rank for you? Uh, that's definitely probably number one. I mean, because obviously that was a, you know, a Super Bowl contender in the Cowboys. Um, and we knew that. We knew they were a great team, and this was going to be a physical, you know, tough game. You know, obviously we're down two scores at halftime, but, you know, nobody ever flinched. In that third quarter, what was some of the keys for you guys offensively really getting going? 
I would just, you know, staying consistent and keep moving the ball. You know, we, we did, we had some spurts in the, in the first half where we were moving the ball really well. Uh, you know, we just had to stay consistent, stay ahead of the sticks and everything, um, and then just finish. And, you know, we did that in the second half. You got the opportunity to get the ball in your hands a couple times, big 20-yard run down inside the 10. Uh, how'd you feel like it went for you offensively today? I mean, I was just making the most out of the opportunities I got. Um, you know, just those plays kind of opened up everything on you know, the running game, um, you know, passing game, screen game. So, you know, I just go out there and make the most out of the opportunities I get. You know, I just you know, want to make plays for the team, you know, spark plays. What do you see now at Trevor? Last week he escapes, he finds you on the third down. Uh, today, obviously, four touchdown passes. What, what are you seeing out of this young quarterback? He's just being him. I mean, we knew who he was, and, you know, he's extremely confident in what he does, and he's playing at a high level. Um, he's just being him. That's Trevor. You know, we knew who he is. Um, you know, he's, he's a leader, and, you know, we go as, we go as he goes. Um, you know, obviously we had a, we had a big turnover at the, in that fourth quarter, but, you know, we like, Trevor, we got you, bro. You good. Like, you know, defense got a big stop. You know, the, and it was crazy because the defense came over and was like, we got you. Like, you know, they got a big stop. We got the ball back. They got, had, had a nice little return, and then we went and kicked the field goal, and then the rest is history. So, you know, we just, we just got each other's back. You know, this team is so close-knit. Um, and we, we believe we can, we can – we said it earlier, we can go on a little run, but, you know, we just got to take it one at a time. Yeah. Does it feel like this team has something special in them? I mean, you guys go and win in Nashville. The Titans are sort of struggling a little bit. There's, you guys host them in the finale. Do you get a sense that this could be a pretty special next few weeks for you guys? Uh, I mean, we always knew we were. I mean, you know, you've seen spurts of it in the beginning of the season. It's just, you know, we weren't finishing the games how we wanted to. But, you know, through trial and error, we kind of learned how to finish games, um, make the plays we needed to, to, to finish games. I got you. Um, what, what becomes the challenge now getting ready to go win a second game in five days up in New York for you individually as a, as a player? What are some things that you'll do to make sure that, that you're ready for Thursday? And what would be some advice to guys that haven't had this experience yet? Uh, you know, we know what we got to do. It's a short week. Um, you know, be smart. Um, you know, obviously watch the film, put this one to bed. Um, take care of your body, most importantly. Um, short week. You know, we're getting on a flight in three days. So, you know, really got to take care of your body and be smart. Um, but it's prime time. I don't, I don't think I need to say anything less to anything more to the to the guys. It's, it's prime time. Only game on TV. Everybody's. Here's your nugget. Jamal Agnew will break a punt return Thursday night against the Jets. Ooh. The Jets Ooh. are 31st in the league in punt coverage. They allow 12.1 yards of punt return. Look for Jamal Agnew to get loose. Thursday night bringing one back. and break He's a punt bringing return. one back, Brooks. That is you heard it right here. Uh, one thing they also have to do uh, against Zach Wilson is cover. Uh, make things tough on Zach Wilson. That's important. Uh, the best cover man is, uh, is Tyson Campbell. There's not much debate about that. Got a chance to be a very, very good player, the former Georgia Bulldog, the subject of this Hayes Carline one-on-one. We're pleased to be joined with Jaguars cornerback Tyson Campbell here on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Man, what a victory. Congratulations. Man, thank you, man. All week, we just been talking about finishing, man, just finishing. Yeah, that's what we did today. What was that like, seeing Rayshon take it back for the walk-off pick? It was unreal, man. It was unreal. Uh, but, you know, Rayshon always been a playmaker, so I wasn't really surprised. I was just hoping he got in the end zone. So, You guys battled defensively all day. What were some of the keys today, Tyson, to getting the takeaways and getting the victory today for you guys? Yeah, of course, you know, takeaways, just um, giving the offense more positions and, uh, you know, winning first and second down. Uh, make them play behind the, uh, the sticks. And I uh, feel like in the second half, we did a better job of that. And that's how we were able to control it. 
What kind of belief do you guys have uh, in each other to, to be able to rally from, from these kind of deficits and, and get these victories against some great teams, Ravens, Cowboys? Yeah, we have a lot of belief, man. You know, we, we, we know the type of players we have and what everyone's capable of. So once everyone does their job and, and trusts one another, you know, we're going to be hard to beat. What was it like having Cisco back in the lineup today? Um, it was good, man. You know, you know when Cisco, he's going to hit somebody. So, you know, you know, he's an exciting player. You know, glad to have him back and, and glad he's getting healthy. Trevor Lawrence uh, playing sensational over these last six or so games. Uh, what are you seeing out of Trevor in terms of his growth? Uh, I'm seeing a lot of confidence out of, out of Trevor. Uh, you know, he's always been staying the course. And you can see each and every game, the game slow down for him. And uh, he's utilizing his weapons and, you know, couldn't be more problem. You guys have a chance to win two games in five days. Uh, how do you now get ready to go on the road Thursday to play the Jets? Oh, yeah. Uh, just celebrate this win and then 24-hour rule. Uh, tomorrow, um, start looking at the Jets and uh, uh, go on the road and, and, and battle it out again. Tyson, thanks so much for your time. Congratulations. Appreciate it. Tyson Campbell going to have a big challenge uh, Thursday night. Uh, not so much from the quarterback perspective. I, I'm not expecting a whole lot from Zach Wilson, but uh, Garrett Wilson only needs 34 yards to get to 1,000 on the season, the talented rookie out of Ohio State. So uh, I have to assume that Tyson Campbell is going to see Garrett Wilson an awful lot Thursday night. It's going to be a really interesting game. I mean, that's going to be really – I mean, that is a game young teams – well, I think Salah's a good coach, so well-coached teams, tough teams. Uh, the, the, the Jets have had a little more drama, a lot of it based around Zach Wilson than the Jags have. But I uh, And I love the Jags, by the way, love the Jags not being team drama. That's kind of nice. But uh, it's, uh, we'll talk more about it as the week goes on. But that's an important game and a big game coming up for the Jags uh, on, um, on Thursday night. Do you th- I have, the weather's better now. The weather, I think it's going to be colder here than in New York. Yeah, I, th- I think the yeah, and I'm really more way more concerned about the weather there. So the absolutely, yeah. But I but I think the weather is going to be all of a sudden. Oh, the 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 real feel of teens is not the way it is anymore. It's going to be like in the game the high 30s, maybe I think for kickoff, somewhere thereabouts. What are you seeing? Uh, I'm looking at Newark, and it is Thursday, high of 50, low of 48. So not much temperature change. I do see some pre- precipitation. Yeah, I think it's going to be, wow, high of 50, low of 48. Interesting. So, all right, we'll take a break. I want to come back. Johnny O stops by. I bet he had some good emails after that one. Uh, the Ozone's next. Stay with us. It's a Best Bet Monday on The Frangie Show with fantastic locations in Jacksonville, Orange Park, and now in St. Augustine. It's Best Bet. Now it's time for the O Show with John Osher from Jaguars.com. Oh. 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 Johnny O is in the house. Talking Jaguars. Oh, and here he is. That, is that old? What Jag- a glorious sweatshirt. He's got that the is. Jaguar gear. Do you, is that an old thing, you think? What do you think? I, I haven't seen that. Is that new, Johnny? I haven't seen that one before. Um, Frank, this one surprised you a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is in eleven years the yeah. only thing I've ever bought <laughs> for myself. Yeah. <laughs> that, that does it. Would it shock me? It's the only thing you ever bought, or would it shock me that you bought something? Well, both. Okay. You know, it, it's. Uh, and I like that one. It, it, it's amazing, Frank, that my arms reached all the way to the pocket. 
uh, I hate it when he says that. He, he takes all of our lines we could have used. I so. was sore afterward. It, it was a long stretch for me. And I used to go in that far. That's a cool sweatshirt, though. I like that. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's, it, it's out of the team shop. I mean, it, it, was, it, it was discounted. But, uh, <laughs> I might My nickname have, is not Johnny Full Price. Yeah, I might have had a few of those discounts myself. Okay, I don't get the free gear you guys get, but I get a few discounts yeah. here and there. So, um, what a win, John! What a yeah. big win! Uh, the most, probably the most exhilarating game in that stadium in forever. Well, it's uh, yeah. I mean, I can't recall one since '96. I had a ten-year gap. Right. Uh, the Morton miss, obviously. Uh, Brian Sexton and I were talking about it a little bit. The Morton miss, obviously bigger because of the magnitude of the moment. I don't know that there'll ever be another Morton miss. Right. Um, but beyond that, the importance of it because of what, like I said it last week, because you know that the foundation is there with Trevor and there's a feeling of whatever happens this year <clears throat> is something that you're not only feeling the exhilaration of, but you're also building – what you believe is going to be a long-term thing in the future. Uh, I think fans generally feel that when they're watching it, even if they don't express it. Uh, so, But beyond that, that's a technical way of saying what an unbelievable uh, moment, win. Uh, I wrote a couple of times on Jaguars.com, uh, Trevor Lawrence is the storyline this year, but the defining characteristic of this team is the guts and the lack of quit. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, well said. That's what's, I think that's what makes it so fun is the combination of that, that he's clearly so good and is going to be so good and is only going to get better. And then you've got this gutsy team around him that won't quit. It's made the last couple of weeks really fun. The belief that they have, it feels like it's the stuff of special runs. Do you get that sense from your expertise of covering this for so long? Does it well, feel my expertise like- is, it, is minimal, as you know. <laughs> Uh, but how about experience? Because I've agreed on. I have some experience, part. okay, yeah, which is uh, translated to age. Um, <laughs> at, as you know, Frank. Yeah, do it. Uh, I know <laughs> um, all too well. You know, it, it's funny. The belief is is almost until recently unfounded. Yeah, uh, there's no reason for them to believe so much in themselves, but yet they do. And now I think it translates into the belief. It's really cool about it is the belief they have on defense, which is that they continue to play hard even when they're giving up a lot of yards, and that's why they've been able to get some stops. That's why they've been able to get some big turnovers. Uh, yeah, I believe it can be this – it can be special stuff because I think they're going to keep believing in it. Now, they got to get wins. You know, they still have to win games that are not ones to be taken for granted because – this team is operating on on such a razor's edge that you cannot assume anything. But I don't think they're going to stop believing. And, you know, it 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 feels like it could get special. It also feels like Doug Peterson's play calling is special. The way – how fast Trevor got the ball out yesterday, the way he used misdirection and, and Jamal Agnew, it feels like this is one of the best play callers in the NFL, at least to my eyes. Yeah, well, I think he always has been. Uh I think uh, coming from that Andy Reid tree, it's unsurprising, but it's also probably not fair to Doug just to say, well, because he coached for Andy Reid, he's a good play caller. He He's clearly got a knack. Uh, these guys clearly believe in what he's calling. Uh, and as you say that, and as I say that, 
I'm reminded of a story. I, would, I was talking to Marcus Pollard way back when he was playing for the Colts. And uh, Marcus Pollard is now our, our uh, player liaison, right. great guy, former tight end for the Colts. And I asked him once, I said, What's, what does having Peyton Manning being able to play, being able to change plays the line of scrimmage give you? And he said, well, he gives you that element of when you go to the line, even though you may not agree with the play call, you sort of assume because Peyton called it, it's right. right. And so you go run that play with all confidence that it's right, even if it's the wrong call. And it it feels like Doug and, and these play callers have the same kind of confidence with the players in this offense that they've been right so much and they put them in such good situations that even if it's the wrong call, there's complete belief in what they're doing right now. And the red zone efficiency, remember when red zone efficiency was a thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I kept saying it's it's a young offense thing, meaning it's the last thing to come together. It was eventually going to come together because Trevor was going to mature and they were going to gain that continuity. It feels like that's happened in the last couple of weeks. The one thing to your point about that, and I'll extend it a little bit, is the stuff that we worried about, it almost seems like they take their time to address it. We worried about red zone, corrected. You worried about turnovers. I know he had a couple yesterday, but for the most part, Trevor's corrected that. Uh, they couldn't get takeaways last year at all. They had nine all year. They've corrected that. I, the only thing I see missing, and this is big picture, this isn't for today and tomorrow. They just need more good players. They mm-hmm. need they need they need better cornerbacks. They probably need another receiver. They probably you know I mean I mean right I mean they need yeah. another running back. But but uh, in terms of culturally and and development, it's pretty clear that's there. Now now I mean I, I even a lot of people are beating up Mike Caldwell. Some I think Mike Caldwell's fine. I think the problem is they don't they don't have enough good players over there. So other than getting more good players, the other that other stuff's kind of in place, don't you think? I. I've been saying all year, it felt to me like they were maximizing what they had on the field. Um, yeah, you said it way more succinctly than I, you know, I agree with. I, I don't know. the. I think the fatal flaw, if you will, of this defense is still there. They, they struggle at cornerback. Uh, they don't have enough good corners, uh, front-line guys, and there are times when that gets exposed. Uh it has gotten exposed even in the last couple of weeks, but they have played well enough offensively. They've played well enough in big moments to create some takeaways to overcome that. Uh, I don't think it's realistic to think that it's not going to be the Achilles heel going forward, but can you get ahead? Can you get in enough good down and distance situations um, to make that minimal? Although it was impressive yesterday, you know, CeeDee Lamb – had a big day, and made big plays. But the Jaguars enough times got a loss on first down. Smoot had a bunch of tackles for losses. They put Dallas in enough second and 12 or second and eight that that allowed them to rush the passer and then get enough plays to get them off the field occasionally. 40-34, you say, well, they didn't play well defensively. But three or four times they made that play to break serve. How concerning is is the Cam Robinson injury, in your opinion, and and what did you see out of Walker Little when he stepped in there? Well, it's concerning, but that's why you drafted Walker Little in the second round, and it's why he's still on the roster. So you were a playoff team, which it feels like this team has a chance to be, should be able to overcome one or two major injuries in a season. To me, this is 
probably their first. That I'm not sure I can count Shaq Griffin as a major injury because he wasn't playing very well beforehand. But if if he is one, then you've uh, got two one on each side of the ball. If you're going to expect to make the playoffs in the NFL, you've got to be able to overcome one of those on each side of the ball. Yes, yeah, certainly. And and Ben Barch, I guess, before the season. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's probably not fair to Ben. Now, all of a sudden, you've got two major injuries on the offensive line. Uh, I think Trent Baalke would tell you, and anybody building a roster would tell you, that's why you've got to have seven. You've got to have a swing guy on the interior who can play all three. Then you've got to have a swing tackle who can play both. They're probably at their limit of feeling like this is what we built the roster for. How do you feel, or what do you feel about the running game? They didn't run it all for a while. He had a hundred yard game yesterday, but it didn't fact it factor into keeping them close throughout, but it certainly didn't factor in the comeback. What do you think about the running game? I think the running game is not exactly what Doug Peterson would want if it was ideal, but I think it's I think he would tell you that it it's good enough for how he wants to run an offense, meaning there was the threat of the run yesterday. If Dallas didn't pay attention to the run yesterday, then it was going to bite them. So in this day and age with the NFL, all you want is you've got to have the threat of the run. You have to have the defense respecting the run. Uh, Again, I'll go back to something Peyton Manning always used to say. They really didn't care that much in Indianapolis if they had 120 yards, if they had 80, if they had 70. If he could get the defense respecting the run – then he could go to play action. He could run. He could then run the offense the way he wanted to. This is a different offense the way Doug runs it, but I think it stays the same. They would like to have uh, Travis break some runs. They'd love to get into 110, 120, but as long as the defense has to respect it, then I think they can call the plays they want to call. What did you think of Rayshon Jenkins' performance in terms of where it stands in <laughs> franchise history for a single game? Well, uh, you know, I think it has to go up there with, you know, as I wrote this morning, if he's not defensive player of the week, I want to watch the one that was because it was a heck of a defensive, you know. um, I don't know what else you can do. Um, Tony Brackens had some back in the day that changed games. Uh, Tony had one against Baltimore up there, as I recall, when they were really good, 98 or 99. That without it they don't win the game, and it it was a turnover, uh, you know, uh, maybe a defensive touchdown, but it was dominating the game from the defense side of the ball. He also had one in Seattle or against Seattle in the '96 run. That without it they don't win the game. So I don't want to put it above those necessarily, but uh, and I think Rasheen had a couple. So it's up there. I mean, it's it's when you have a walk-off to end the game on defense, and you add 18 tackles to that, uh, I wouldn't put any over it. Do you think the pass rush is finally coming alive? Um, Yeah, enough to get them win. I mean, I think, again, the big key with the pass rush is yesterday they didn't stuff the run. I think Dallas had 145, 150 yards rushing. But they did it in enough spots to get them in situations to rush the passer. So that pass rush yesterday didn't feel dominant. It didn't feel all time. It wasn't Saxonville 2017. 
but it was enough to get Dak Prescott off the spots. It was it was enough to force uh, two interceptions. So um, it's enough to break serve a few times, and I think that's what this defense is going to have to be. I don't think it's going to be a – I'd be surprised if they hold teams under 10 points. But if they can get off the field in big situations, and I think the pass rush was good enough yesterday to do that. All right, I want to ask you something about the future, and then we'll take a break, then look ahead to the Jets and the, these final three games. I think there's three hard games. But one thing about the future, I was thinking about this. You were answered a question a minute ago. Trevor Lawrence has 24 touchdowns and seven picks. It's his second year in the league, and he just turned 23. He's completed 66% of his passes. All three receivers, all three new receivers, are having big years. Christian Kirk is he's about to go over 1,000 yards. Zay Jones is going to get over 800 yards. Evan Ingram's got 61 catches for 610 yards. Uh, Travis Etienne's going over 1,000 yards this week. Golly, and Doug Peterson's not going anywhere. Calvin Ridley's joining mm-hmm. the fray. They're going to draft somebody somewhere. I got to believe this offense. I'm not saying he's, they're suddenly going to become Mahomes and the Chiefs, but boy, I got to believe next year, the year after, barring something catastrophic, it could be a like really good. Am I am I am I overstating it? No, they might. I mean, you seem to have the pieces in place. It's going to depend on how Ridley comes in and fits in. If if Ridley comes in and, and is the best receiver on the team, Ooh. then all of a sudden, you know. Zay Jones is is an unbelievable two who complements yeah. what Ridley can do. And then Christian Kirk, who already might be one of the best two or three, right. if you call him a slot guy, which I don't think that's fair to him, but if that's what he is, yeah, I, I would think you add two playmaking elements to it next year, yeah. um, meaning I think you can get it. I'm not sure how they feel about Hasty in terms yeah. of being right. the backup. Yeah, they got to get a running back. If They're you gonna... can add that late in the draft, which you can. I mean, that's yeah. one spot you're supposed to be able to add like that. And then receiver has become something that you can add in the third or fourth round if you know, or higher. I'm not sure. It remains to be seen how that plays out. But if you add those two just speed elements, if you figure those are speed guys, yeah. Yeah, I, I just think I just think look. Even if you don't add anything, Trevor's going to get better. Well, right, well Trevor's going to get better. If you you got to resign Ingram, he's a one year guy, but most of these guys are back. Look, you're going to sign three or four free agents, even with limited cap space. You're going to sign some. You're going to draft seven guys or whatever the number is. You're adding 10, 12 guys. If two or three of them help your offense, I, I guess, again, we'll see. Let's take a break. When we come back, I think the Jets game is a tough game. It's a short week. We'll discuss that with John after this. Stay with us. It's a Best Bet Monday on The Frangie Show with fantastic locations in Jacksonville, Orange Park, and now in St. Augustine. It's Best Bet. We sure thank our friends from The Best Bet. Man, oh man, it's a great time to get out. Those high hands continue along now. The Christmas high hands at all three locations. Head to The Best Bet. You'll be awfully glad that you did. Frank Frangie hates Carline Lauren Brooks. Uh, one more segment with Johnny O. All right, look. These games are going to be hard. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, number one, the NFL is hard. But the Jets have a better record than the Jags and are at home on a short week. Yep. The Texans, I know they've only won one game, but they the Chiefs barely beat them in overtime. The Cowboys had to come from behind to beat them. They're going to beat somebody. And uh, and they play well against the Jags, yep. and, and the Titans are the Titans. So uh, as much as you want to be excited about where they are, and, and this is a playoff right now. I mean, th- as long mm-hmm. as they keep winning, they get to keep playing. It's not going to be an easy three, and it starts this week, John. Well, it's 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 also not easy because remember they're going on the road, right? And the Titans have two at home, 
And even though the Titans games are against uh, Dallas, which is probably the best opponent that either the Jags or the, or the Titans play the rest of the way, they still get them at home, and it's still the Titans who still figure out a way to stay close in most games with a chance to win. So um, it, would, it would not surprise me if it becomes key for the Titans to lose to Dallas uh, because it, it, it would not be surprising if the Jags lost one of their next two because of the circumstances. And when I say that, it doesn't mean I don't believe in the direction of this thing. Correct. It just means that you're playing on the road uh, you are a team that this playoff run is very heady, but they have trailed by 17, 17, 9, and 7 in the four games they've won during this run. Uh, they are still playing on a razor-thin margin. When you're winning all your games late, at some point that's going to bite you. At, at some point you hope that the defense not being dominant doesn't bite you. So They've still got to make play after play after play to win these games. So I think it's really tough. I think the short week thing is tough this week. And uh, they are going to have to – I guess what I'm getting at is, you know, there's going to be no gimmies in this. And they are still going to have to make big plays late in games to win these games. It's what makes it fun, but it's what makes it a little scary too. What do you think will be the, the biggest challenge for the Jaguars offense going up against the Jets? Uh, if Quinnen Williams plays, uh, it'll be Quinnen Williams. I mean, he's, I guess, quietly, because you don't pay that much attention to the Jets, even though they're in New York high profile, has become one of the best defensive linemen in the league. Very dangerous. It's the whole thing. They have to protect Trevor. They have, they have to protect the passer. Uh, but I think overall for the Jags, it's just the challenge of Thursday games on the road are very difficult for the road team. And it's uh, it's going to be tough to prepare. It, it's going to be tough to keep this uh, Jets defense off Trevor. How we knew last week that Doug Peterson talked about how Travis Etienne had to run for a certain amount in order to be able to beat Dallas. What do you think that number is going up against the Jets? Um, again, I don't know if it's the number. I think what was uh, impressive for Travis yesterday was that they managed to impact the game with him without a huge run. You know, without uh, a one that broke off for 25, 30 yards. I'll say the same thing I said going into the uh, Dallas game with him. I think they would love to be able to keep the defense honest with him, but have one of those 25-yard runs. He had a 20-yard run at the end of the first half, but that really didn't impact the game that much because it was at the end of the first half. They got nothing out of it. I think they would love to get him back to having two 20-yard runs uh, to try to make sure the defense cared about him. Now, as I say that, it strikes me they may say, well, we got those yard, you know, we got those runs with Agnew because they were concerned about Travis, the way they were running the offense. So I think somewhere they have to have a couple of explosive runs. They got it yesterday with Agnew. John, does the uh, the whole you talked about road games on Thursday night are really hard, and it'll be even harder because of the emotion you you just mm-hmm. you just want an emotional game. I know everybody says they are human beings and emotions matter, and it was a that was an emotional win, man. Well, I'm emotional, so so you got to go on the road. It's a short week. The Jets are pretty good. Um, I think there's a real challenge. I think this week, yeah, I think this is this. I I think this is the hardest game left. 
I, the, the Titans have to play here. Mm-hmm. The Texans are a road game, and I think I just got through saying they'll be better, but they're still the Texans. This is this is the big one for me. You see it that way? I think yes, but I think the thing that plays into their favor, if this was Dallas, if this was Detroit, even if it was Tennessee, I think you'd really worry about it uh, in the sense that they have things offensively where they can get away from you a little bit. Uh, every NFL team Good point. has a way to get away from you, so I'm not minimizing the Jets' ability to do but that. But I see where you're going here. But they're probably – if you can probably stay within range of them. And, then the, and the reality with the Jags, if they're down 20 to 10 at halftime, they're thinking, here we go again. Yeah. Uh, so I think that does play in. Uh, you are not facing an offense that, on paper at least, if you struggle in the first half with the emotion you're talking about, if you make a couple of bad plays, you would still think they're not up 28-3. You would think it's still within range where you can rope them back in. How would you play Zach Wilson, assuming he's the starter for the Jets, and it seems like there's a good chance he's going to be with Robert Sala's injury update on Mike White today? My guess is they would play him trying to do whatever they can to take big plays away. Uh, where he has hurt you and, and had the ability to be effective is they've, I think they had seven, I think the number seven explosive plays against uh, Detroit. the Lions. So you would think you try to uh, minimize those and make him beat you all the way down the field with the idea that at some point he's going to make a mistake and you can get it. Uh, which, again, sort of plays into how the Jags are playing defense right now. I can't imagine – I would expect that at some early for it to play out what Frank's talking about. The emotion could be difficult early. But then at some point this team is going to keep playing hard because it's what they do. If they can keep playing hard and get those takeaways against the Jets, which you should be able to do, that could be what turns it again. I know it's just the kicker, but do you think Riley Patterson is the Jaguars' long-term kicker? Well, he's making a play for it, um, and he uh, yesterday hitting clutch field goals at the end of the game certainly gives it. I don't know that we've seen the long-term body of work yet because while he's been solid, I don't know that – it felt like with Lambeau early on, there were a couple of big kicks where all of a sudden you just kind of knew – okay, we have confidence in this going forward. I think Riley's probably got to do that once or twice more to really believe in it. But when you hit a 48-yarder in overtime, I mean, I, I forced overtime, that's the first great step toward that. Yeah, and it's 48 yards. It wasn't 28 yards. Right. I mean, it was a 48-yarder. Yeah, I mean, I'm not yeah. trying to discount what Riley's done because yeah. he really hasn't done anything wrong. I just don't know that for whatever reason – Yesterday's opportunity felt like the first big one he had to hit. Yeah, my gut. You got to do that a couple times. My gut on him, he's missed twice all year. He's like twenty three or twenty seven, and two have hit the upright. Two misses hit the upright. I think he's, I, my guess is he's pretty good. Now yeah, whether or not he, he's the guy for the long haul, we'll see. But I, I'm guessing he's pretty good. Right. And I didn't mean to imply yeah. that it wasn't there. Yeah, you just don't know yet. I hadn't seen enough. Just that was the first one, right. and and when I was watching, I was like, I wonder. All right, final thing before we let you go. What's the most important thing they have to do to win this game? This is a gigantic game. What's what's first? Score. You know, and because the Jets are really good defensively. Yeah, they are. Might be the best. You know, I don't want to say they're better than Dallas defensively. But they're, really, but good they're really good on defense. They're really good on, on defense. So 
not turn the ball over and get yourself down uh, and then score. I think if you get in the 20s, you're going to win. Yeah, yeah, that kind of game. We'll see. All right. A good time. Good emails this week? Everybody uh, happy? There could be anybody happy this week. There, well, <laughs> because they come constantly. Ah, right? you get them during the game. It, it, it oh, was they could rough have been, They weren't happy during the until game. Until about 315 or so. Yeah, they weren't happy during <laughs> the game. Like, they? They but happy. then I got a lot of apologies <laughs> after that. Not to me. Nobody apologizes to me. But a lot of, I love uh, Dougie. Johnny, oh, great work, buddy. We appreciate it. Guys, uh, Lauren, thank you. Lauren wraps the program with news and notes after this. What's going on in the world? It's time for Frangie Show News and Notes. Here's Lauren Brooks. All right, gentlemen, a few stats from the Jaguars' victory because it's so much fun to bask in. The Jaguars had 503 yards of offense against the Cowboys. That's the fifth most in franchise history. And now, Frank, the Jaguars are sixth in the NFL in yards per game. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. We were just talking about that with Johnny. They are sixth in yards per game, which is total offense. They're sixth in the league. As we sit here right now, they're sixth in the league in total offense. You think it's Doug Peterson? Oh, by the way, let me remind you, Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl by hanging 30-something with Nick Foles against Bill Belichick. For those who forgot that, and now he's got the Jacksonville Jaguars with a bunch of young people, sixth in the league in total offense. That's pretty amazing stuff. It's incredible. I mean, again, where were they last year? 32nd by a mile. <laughs> oh. Uh, and it, it really is remarkable. And, again, they're going to be better next year. And I'm sure you all have seen this stat. The Jaguars were 1-112 from 1995 to last year as a franchise facing a 17-point deficit, and they're 2-2 two two this season. Yeah, pretty amazing stuff. It really is. Trevor Lawrence has completed 70.4% of his throws. That would be first in the league in the la- since November. With 14 touchdowns, that's tied for second versus one interception for a pass rating of 101.2. That is first. The passer rating is first since November. Yeah, think about this. And again, it's hard to make yourself believe this way because because we've been disappointed. All sports fans have been disappointed so much. Um, but think of this. If Trevor Lawrence turns out to be great and it looks like he's on the path to great, you imagine what these years are going to be like? I, I said this last week. When you figure out quarterback and coach, when you figure out Andy Reid and Mahomes, when you figure out Belichick and Brady, when you figure when you get both of them, when you get Peyton and Breeze, when you get Dungy and Peyton, you go to Super Bowls. I, uh, I mean, imagine what the, imagine what this future can hold with this group right now. Just imagine where this thing might be headed. Yeah, it might be headed to a landscape where you just know the Jaguars every year are gonna it. Worst win ten games, right, and go ten and seven. And if things go well, they'll go thirteen and four. And maybe they even have a year where they go fifteen and two. Um, that's what Trevor Lawrence being elite brings you. And Doug Peterson, and and again, the one thing you you don't have to worry about losing Doug Peterson. I mean, he's young. He's not going anywhere. No, he, no. you know, I mean, he's going to be under contract. I can't imagine Shad Khan doesn't have that contract extension ready to be signed, particularly if they end up winning the AFC South. Yeah. Uh, so you're not losing Doug Peterson. You're obviously not losing Trevor Lawrence. And if you've got a chance for those two to work together for a decade, it stands to reason in that decade you might win 115 games. How I say this all the time, Lauren. How was this guy available when the Jags found themselves having to run out Urban Meyer before his first year was even done? 
when they when people and there's no disrespect to Byron Leftwich and and, and and Matt Eberflus and all these other guys that you heard were really in it, whether they were or not. How was this guy Doug Peterson available to just wait around? I mean, think about that. Yeah, it's I mean, incredible. And, and, and again, in fairness to Shad, maybe Shad had Peterson pretty much locked up all along, and he was just making sure he checked all the boxes. But goodness gracious, it's just uh, how was the, how was a guy this good that available? Speaking of Doug Peterson, Gary Smith tweeted this out earlier today. Doug Peterson was 6-0 on Thursday night with the Eagles from 2016 to 2020. His teams were also 4-2 coming off the long week following a Thursday game. How about that? I like it. I like it. Yeah. Bottom line is, guy's a really good coach. That The bottom line is he's a really good coach. Baselli said something with Prosser this morning that, that really stayed with me. Everybody knows he's a really good play caller. He's a really good X's and O's guy. He might be even a better leader. He has been a great leader in building a culture and getting these guys to buy in. He's been really good at that, man. So, man, I'm glad that cat's here. Certainly has. Uh, this, as far as the Titans are concerned, from Paul Kaharski, thoughts coming out of the Titans' locker room. That's a tired, beat-up team with zero answers. Several were surprised to hear the Jaguars are only a game behind them and seem nervous about it. Need a shake-up, but what can be done? Yeah, part of that is Paul's negative guy a little bit. You know, that, that's just Paul's, Paul's makeup. But, yeah, I think they're reeling. Again, I, I wouldn't count them out yet. They're still in first place, and they're still a tough-nosed bunch. But, yeah, all the injuries, the lack of belief. Um, but that, that I, I would I'll, you know, count out the, whether we like it or not because they're the enemy, and I get that. But count out the Tennessee, Tennessee Titans at your own peril. It, it feels, though, that this is different. I, it, I don't think they've ever been backed into a corner uh, and, and looked as frail as they look right now um and again they are seven and seven but they've lost four in a row their point differential is minus 38 on the season get this number the Denver Broncos are minus 35 wow so Tennessee is is not played well through 14 games and they're playing their worst football uh now and again Houston is, you know, is a, is a team that is obviously only one one time, and uh, this is a week where Tennessee should get the victory this week uh, over Houston. But you got to hope Dallas goes into Nashville the following Thursday night and you know beats them silly, uh, and and I think that's going to happen. I will be really surprised if Tennessee goes two and zero over the next two weeks. They they just look like there there is a lot of heart there. I, you know, I think Vrabel is a good coach, but at some point, there's not much you can do when you just don't have any talent. And right now, other than Derrick Henry, they just don't have a lot of talent. The Vikings, Jaguars, and Bengals all had wins by trailing by at least 17 points. First week that ever happened. Here's the stat that's crazy to me about the Vikings, obviously down 33 nothing at the half to the Colts. Justin Jefferson has 1,623 receiving yards. He could, in theory, get to 2,000 receiving yards, the first ever NFL receiver to do so. Great player. We've known all along he was a great player. He was a great player at LSU. That was an incredible game. Um, but could you believe the finish to the Raiders-Patriots? <laughs> you know, let's start with that one. We'll go back to the Colts in a minute. But let's start with that. I feel, and that guy stayed, and he, he answered every question, too. You know, the kid that who threw it Jacoby back. Jacoby Myers. Yeah. Okay. He, he answered every question, but it was unbelievable. Have I mean, you heard the Patriots – Flagship radio call on I that. have, I have. It is glorious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is yeah. fantastic but, but if you but can it, find it. But it's unbelievable. God bless his soul. He's, just, he's trying to make a play, yep. but you're not losing. Yeah, it's a tie game. It's a tie game. God bless him. 
I'm surprised uh, Stevenson has been let off the hook as much as he has because yes, it was yes. Myers's lateral that really cost them. Yeah. I mean, but what they were Stevenson all lateral, they were all lateraling it. That's yeah, right. Yeah, I, I don't know why Stevenson right thought right. to lateral. Yeah, it. I totally. Agree. And then I think Myers just sort of panics yeah. because he's like, "Well, why? Or I thought we were tied. Are we? Right. Are we down? <laughs> probably." And probably. so then he panics and right. throws it 30 yards back. And I, I, I don't think I, I could live to be 150. <laughs> And I don't think I'll ever see a game in like that. And it's so crazy because it's Belichick. Normally, his teams are right. the ones right. that would never do something like that. Yeah, and now he's right. 11 and 12 when going up against former assistants. I never thought I'd see the wow. day that he had a losing record against former assistants. When it comes to Tom Brady, he had two interceptions and two fumbles, and the Bucks had a 17-point lead over the Bengals and couldn't hold on to it. Yeah, the Bucks are done now. I heard somebody, was it Collinsworth? Or no, it was Romo doing the game. Romo said, I'm more convinced than ever that Tom's coming back. Well, I guess he he probably knows him. They probably play golf together, so he wouldn't have said that unless Tom's kind of told him that. But wouldn't that that would shock me? Did you say you think he's coming back? I think he comes back because I don't know why the. I mean, again, not that this was the only reason I get into divorce. There could be a litany right, of reasons right. why the marriage dissolves. But if they're but if they're, but if they're but, divorced, they're divorced. Why not? Well, yeah, because it was like if that was one of the biggest reasons why is she was done. She wanted him to be done, and now that I just, yeah. I think he'll. I think he'll ring chase, and I, you know, he's not going to go back to Tampa. I mean, you know, it, I think that's obvious. But, but where does he could, go then? I could see him going to San Francisco for a year. I could see him going, you know, to. I think San Francisco is where it'll be. But boy, boy that would be scary. San does he go to the Jets? San Francisco with him would be scary. And and at the same time, is Tom Brady better now than the quarterback options that the 49ers have? We got to play differently, but it's good. You know what? That's not a dumb question. Not Tom Brady now. Tom Brady next year. Right. It's eight months older. That's exactly. a really good. That's a really good point. This stat, by the way, floored me. NFL officials informed league owners that the teams have spent eight hundred million dollars on fired coaches and front office executives over the past five years. And, and that, that's a way of saying, be careful before you run the next guy out. I, I totally agree. Yeah, very expensive. I, I'll give you another quick Brady one. I think Vegas would be in on him. I mean, you have McDaniel's there. See, You've got yeah. Devontae Adams. And he almost They'll went there last year. probably move on from Carr. They and, certainly could. And he almost went there last year. When he, when he went to the Bucks. that was the – the rumor is that's the other place. You've got Renfro who will be healthy. You've got Waller who will be healthy. So the weapons right. are pretty good in Vegas. Right. Good point. Uh, so maybe it'll be uh, the Raiders. We have not talked about this yet because obviously we were talking a ton of Jaguars and a little Florida football as well. The World Cup lived up to all of the hype and expectations. It was a sensational game, tied 3-3 in regulation and then an extra time. And then we had the PK shootout. Mbappe for France scored a hat trick. That was unbelievable. Messi got to have a goal with the penalty kick and then, of course, uh, scored his penalty kick. His his legacy now is cemented. It was just fantastic. Yeah, while uh, Hayes and other people were getting ready for the Jaguar game, Lauren and I were watching the World Cup. <laughs> Over on one of the other TVs, like we kind of we were kind of locked in, breaking it down. We were breaking down soccer. We were breaking bread and breaking down soccer. I'd actually break break bread with you this week either. Um, mm, it's fine. But it was it was two nothing when I left you. That's correct. Argentina went up two nothing. I went I went back to, I went back to the booth to do a hit. Mm-hmm. During the hit, I looked up. It was two two. They must have scored. France too scored. So France got a PK, and then France scored another goal within like a minute. Yeah, it was wild. And then Argentina scores to go up three two, and you think. Okay, Argentina's going to win this thing and send Messi off, you know, to the promised land. Not, that's probably not the right phrase, but you know what I mean. Send him off very happy with a World Cup. Another PK. 
and then another PK for France. And so it was it was that part was just wild. Is and it consi- was it considered? I think a billion people might have watched. Was it considered the best final? It is. Yes, in World it is Cup considered history? the best final. And so if you're a fan at all of the World Cup and you're a Jaguars fan yesterday, the sports watching was incredible. Now, granted, yes, a lot of people don't necessarily care about the World Cup, but either way, uh, the U.S. The save that the Argentinian oh, yes. keeper right. had, yeah, was that I don't know, in extra time maybe right before the PKs or maybe it was right before they went to the extra time. It was right before. I don't know how he time. even saw the ball. Oh, I mean, yeah. it, it's the guy is five feet in front of him, and then he saved PKs, blasts it, yeah. And somehow he gets his, like, shin in front of it. It was yep. unbelievable. It really was an incredible save. And so, yeah, uh, Lionel Messi's World Cup victory post on Instagram has over 42 million dollars. Sorry, 42 million likes, and that is now the most liked uh, by anyone in sports on Instagram. 42 million. 42 million. It was a sensational game. And, and just so you know, Hayes, the U.S. has 30 to 1 odds to win the next World Cup, which will be here oh, in good. North I'm America. Gonna, I'm going to own 30 houses. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Let's say hello to Rick Ballou. Now, the two-minute drill. Brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers. Equal opportunity employer. Ah, Ballou, that was a Ah. big one at the bank yesterday, bro. Oh, my goodness. First things first, when does the World Cup start? (laughs) I'm pretty – I'm fired up to watch it this year. It'll start in four years. Okay. Yeah. Four years. Yeah, what a day, huh? What a win. Oh, my goodness. I mean, uh, I don't even know where I would place that Best game at the bank? Best game ever at the bank? Arguably. I I still think the Morton Anderson miss because of the – or maybe the crush, you know, ending the career of both Jimmy Johnson and Dan Marino. Okay. Uh, those were special. But, I mean, come on. You're down 17 points. You don't abandon the run. You stay with it. And you're able to come from behind and and just make play after play after play. Uh, just a sensational win. And, I mean, everything right now is is there for Jackson. Tennessee is terrible. They can't get out of that. I think Houston's going to beat Tennessee this weekend. I really do. I, I'm more concerned about Houston – than I am Tennessee. Interesting, interesting. Because I, uh, I, I see, and I think Hayes agrees with you. I, I see Tennessee a little differently than you do. I, I hear you. Everything you guys are saying about what what you see is true. Mm-hmm. But I'm not kidding. They have a grit about them. They're they're oh, one yeah. of these teams. You got to cut the head off the snake, man. You know, they're just that team that won't die. They're, yeah, they're, but they're, just watching LA on that last drive after Tennessee tied it. Well, it was like 52 seconds left, yeah, and yeah. they drove the entire field. I mean. It feels like no lead is safe anymore in the NFL. Well, that's that is true, that, yeah. and, and, that, and it's been trending that way. But we'll, we'll see. What I mean, do you have a good feeling about Jags Jets yet? Too early? I, I really do. I mean, uh, weather is a little bit of a concern for me because obviously we saw earlier this year Jacksonville did not play well in Philadelphia right. with bad weather. But I mean, it just feels like right now that that Jacks is going to win until they lose a playoff game. Wow, that's wow. kind of the that. way I, I feel it. about I it. it. You know, I think I they it. win Thursday. I'm going to absolutely. They're snapping all these streaks. So yeah, they're going to snap yeah. that one in Houston and uh, bring on Tennessee. I, I happen to think Tennessee is dead. They're, they are dead man walking, in my opinion. So Jacksonville controls its own destiny. And they, they just keep winning football games. And it's a, it's a great time to be alive right lot, here in Duval. A lot of that and World Cup tonight. That's both. it. That's <laughs> it, World Cup. Uh, yeah, we'll get ready for that as well. And so <laughs> a lot of that coming up uh, here over the next couple hours. Thank you, Rick. Rick's getting ready for the World Cup start. That is fantastic. Folks, that'll do it for our program. I don't go anywhere. Rick Palou goes into the night right now. We're out of here. Tomorrow, 
Uh, same bat time, same bat channel. My last show of the uh, until Christmas because I'm headed to New York for three days with for a football game and my wife. And I are going to have some time in the Big Apple. So uh, one more show tomorrow. We'll do our picks tomorrow. Oh, wow. Can't do that. So uh, there was some movement in the picks, by the way. Was we'll, Yeah, we'll clear some of that up in a bit. Uh, we're out of here. Rick's next on 1010XL 92.5 FM.